space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC, and uh, live long and prosper, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking some Star Trek tonight, specifically the state of Star Trek, the Star Trek fandom, the Star Trek franchise. Um, we've talked a lot about Star Trek over the years, um, 344 episodes to be exact, to, starting tonight. But uh, yeah, I don't think we've talked about it enough, and <laughs> not enough as a main topic. So I figured, why the heck not? There's a lot of stuff going on. Star Trek is having its own little renaissance over there with all kinds of series and stuff like that, and apparently a movie on the horizon too. So that's a lot to uh, look forward to and uh, of course um we'll be getting into you know we'll be getting into the most recent development which is the season four uh finale and just the season overall of star trek discovery which mm-hmm. i watched and i enjoyed but I have some thoughts on it um and uh yeah we'll get into that very shortly but um if you are new to the show i should uh direct you to introductions are in order my name is ben and joining me tonight, if you're watching, you can definitely <laughs> see that's not the case. But um, if you're listening, you may be confused. Mr. Zach Arnold, not with us tonight. Um, still on a little hiatus, unfortunately. He's got some stuff to do. Um, and we're very proud of him over here. All right. You know, he's 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 working the fingers to the bone. He's out there making making his dreams come true. And we we are very, very excited for what he's got going on. But in the meantime, he cannot be on the IPC podcast. We're really bummed about that. But and especially on a night like this, when I know how much he loves Star Trek and loves mm-hmm. talking about Star Trek, we're definitely going to miss him tonight. But you might hear from him. You might hear from him. Listen to the audio version. You might hear from him. But I want to bring a special shout out to a good friend of mine who pitched this show to me. He was like, hey, 
let's talk some Star Trek. I'm available. I'm like, let's do it. Let's come on, man. Let's do this. So without further ado, uh, he is from the uh, newly launched Eye on Canon podcast, which is a great podcast right here on YouTube. You should definitely check it out and also in audio form um, is my good friend, uh, Matthew. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Matt. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, it's funny. I I know you most from uh, Star Wars, this other <laughs> franchise. Uh, but it's it's right. funny. You know, I gotta gotta spread my wings a bit. I mean, I should say shouldn't say spread my wings. Star Wars may be my most uh, intensive fandom. Star Trek would be my my longest lifelong fandom. You can definitely get into a bit of that too. Happy to be on. Having to 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 switch gears and talk about Trek. I know I usually have this set up for for Star Wars canon for Ion canon, but. Uh, Definitely watched a lot of Trek right in this room right here. So exactly. yeah, it is. It is funny. Two people from oh gosh, I'm playing back on me in the thing. I was really freaking out. Like, wait, what? Matt's talking in another microphone. Oh no. gosh, um, <laughs> totally freaked me out. Um, but yeah, it's it is funny how two of us uh, Star Wars geeks from uh, a prominent Star Wars podcast um, get to talk about some Star Trek tonight, which I think is is very warranted. Um, I, I love Star Trek. I, I think I've always okay. loved Star Trek. And I never, part of the reason this show exists is an intergalactic peace coalition. Mm -hmm. We've always gone against the whole idea of this war between the fandoms, you know, back, you know, a few years ago it. when we, <laughs> back a few years ago when we started, you know, it felt dumb. And now it really feels dumb. Like it's kind of gone away, thankfully. Like the whole Star Trek versus Star Wars debate really has mm -hmm. died down, I think. And and we're all better for it. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad you know everyone can just kind of embrace both franchises because they they accent each other so much. Yes. And you know if if it wasn't for Star Trek existing in the first place, sure. Star Wars wouldn't exist because George Lucas has been adamant about how much he was inspired mm -hmm. by Star Trek. And then the fact that Star Trek went to the movies, would started making movies, mm -hmm. is directly credited to the success of star wars and bringing sci-fi to a whole nother level so i think you know it goes without saying that mm -hmm. star trek star wars they are side by side separate franchises we love them both um obviously i don't love it as much as star wars but there's some star trek that i absolutely mm -hmm. love i've enjoyed discovery so much i loved all the jj abrams films um kelvin universe and you know a lot of the older stuff that i've, I've had a chance to go back and watch so you know it's it's been a fun time going back and i'm i'm kind of now that i'm getting in back into the paramount plus i'm like i need to go back and rewatch this stuff i only see a few episodes here and there i need to go back and actually watch everything mm -hmm. especially if you're watching picard because picard and i get we can also get into this a little later it's going heavy this season on the references on the callbacks it's it's a bit approaching Force Awakens level, uh, oh, for better and for worse. But you know, I mean, part of it, it's, it's really fun. Anyway, the yeah, the, the the whole debate between the two. I mean, they do come from different worldviews, different ideologies, different references. But I mean, even ILM being involved, Skywalker Ranch, Skywalker Sound being involved, being involved in the Star Trek, uh, you know, shows and films, um, and then J.J. Abrams crossing crossing the, the divide himself right so uh i mean even uh there's definitely a lot of some crossover not not lots but uh some and yeah as you mentioned even more recently even starting back with ds9 where uh I'll, I'll dive right into this you know um 
the the reason I love DS9 so much, the reason it is my favorite Trek, isn't so much because I wouldn't call it Star Wars in Star Trek. No, I, w- I wouldn't go that far. What it is, is, uh, you know, th- there are some fundamental tensions with Roddenberry's vision, Roddenberry's worldview, as it evolved into the 90s. And DS9 was the first to really probe those tensions. Um, and, you know, that... I mean, here's the thing. George Lucas was tapping into more of a, you know, the, the zeitgeist of, um, I don't want to say cynical, but wanting to say, okay, this Roddenberry vision, Camelot, Kennedy vision of right. a, a scientific, rational, uh, purely, you know, I don't, you know, modern, rational uh, coming together of great minds. That was going to be our salvation and that, uh, DS9 really probed that. Of course, A New Hope really probed that too. So, um, yeah, the, the, they are, there is a lot of coming together. And, uh, uh, you know, DS9 really kicked that off. Yeah, so. yeah. And I think uh, you mentioning DS9 mm-hmm. just reminds me that you and Zach Arnold would get along yeah. so well. <laughs> because... We've been doing this podcast for so long, and mm-hmm. Zach has never ever stopped talking about <laughs> DS9. Okay, he will yeah. never shut up about it. Um, and like it's the one show that are like, okay, I clearly have to go back and watch this show because so many people love it. I've heard Zach talk about it, you know, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it was a a big time. I mean, <clears throat> we're kind of coming back around to that. Whereas you know, there were so many Star Trek shows back in the you know eighties and nineties and now it's coming back around that That's we're having true. multiple shows at the same time. Yeah, not since the mid '90s has that been the case. So when there was, I mean, there was the overlap. TNG ended, uh, Voyager started, and DSM was that overlap in between the two. But yeah, I mean, uh, the thing about Deep Space Nine, just to, to pick up my point, is um, you know, it didn't uh, it, it didn't abandon the core of what Trek is. This is going to be a theme throughout this whole episode. I'm going to probably repeat this multiple times. Um, and, and I've mentioned this on Iron Cannon talking about Star Wars, for example. Uh, you know, Star Trek at its best, any franchise at its best, and this is this is the thing: any franchise at its best is able to probe and push and tell new stories, and in doing so, get at the core of what the original vision actually is. So DS9 was able to tell the first ever. It seems quaint now. The first ever three-part episode right every time you know the the maximum any kind of carryover between episodes would have been two maybe but still the episodic late 90s they did a three episode arc and then of course towards the end of the series they did the whole dominion war arc they really pushed they really probed they posited and this is another tension with roddenberry's vision um you know coming from my own background especially what i brought to my previous podcast for christ sake anakin now bring it a little bit into EOC. Uh, there's a bit of theology time with Matthew here. Um, Deep Space Nine <laughs> was able to uh, look at Roddenberry's whole idea of uh, religions and cosmic beliefs. And, and in the original series and early TNG, he, uh, he, he looked down on them. He said, this was always, it was always going to be backwards. It was always going to be uh, holding the society back in in being very insular and fearful and in for ds9 yes for the bajoran uh, prophet religion some of that was for i think you know especially with kaiwin 
And, um, you know, I'm sure there's some other examples I could think of, but, uh, you know, and, and different, you know, different Klingon factions and different, even, um, I'm trying to think of other examples here, but uh, Deep Space Nine also then posited, what if, yes, we have these dimensional beings in the wormhole. Um, yes, we can understand them rationally, scientifically somewhat. And yet it's also okay that a whole planet planetary society develops this religion around them and as i said for for kaiwin and some others you know yes in some examples is very fearful very insular um very self-defensive but for kira for example for uh for some of the vedics that we encounter for cisco himself uh that it actually becomes a source of both the religion and well especially the actual reality of the prophets becomes uh this i mean cisco's whole encounter with them relationship with them as it evolves becomes this major arc throughout so we have these themes of destiny and hope and uh the miraculous you can't understand while also and here's my basic point is while also still maintaining the core of star trek which is people coming together to contribute their skills and talents for the greater good for the common good um I mean, those are universal themes too, but yeah. ones, you know, ones that I think connect with more, more secular rational, maybe rational audiences. I, I mean, I'm using these dichotomies too easily, I think, but uh, DS9 was the first to really bring those up in a way that I think tapped into our growing dissatisfaction with Kennedy's Camelot, um, you know, with uh, this idea, okay, is there something more, but also, I mean, here's the thing going forward. Um, this is kind of, you know, maybe getting into this whole thing of what do I think about that era, especially between, you know, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise. Um, you know, then we do get to uh, to Enterprise, where it is more gritty than DS9, is more conflictual. Um, I think it it even went further maybe went too far, some might think, in deconstructing narratives of uh, common political authority, uh, common life. Um, and so I, we needed to tell aspirational stories again. And that's where we get with, especially season three of Discovery and now Picard. And so, uh, yeah, going back to this point of, with Enterprise, I, mean, I hope I'm not rambling too much, but kind of no, 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 my, my large scale perspective here um enterprise did kind of i mean people love enterprise there's lots of people there's some great moments and episodes and arcs in enterprise too but uh it uh sorry i got background noise here um it did go away from the core of uh, a team coming together and contributing their talents and desires and hopes for the greater good common good and the vulcans being kind of shady the even the Federation, the, the United Earth being somewhat shady. Interestingly enough, then <laughs> the best Enterprise episodes are the Mirror Universe episodes, which get at what the Mirror Universe is all about. So <laughs> who knows? Um, yeah. So that's kind of where I see things were going, especially in that era. And so I don't know if you want to comment on that. No, no, that, that's really fascinating. I, you know, I think with. I mean, Star Trek, I think, or we were comparing it to Star Wars earlier. Star mm -hmm. Wars is this 
sci-fi fantasy epic this must be this fairy tale star trek is very grounded not just in the sense of a science fiction of like it's set in our universe it's mm -hmm. it's set you know in the milky way and you know it's all this kind of stuff and it's in the future it's telling very human stories and it's telling very much stories that are are aimed at okay mm -hmm. You know, we're telling a fantastical story in the future, but it can directly relate to what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. And it and so many of the things, the many the, the commentaries and the things that can relate to that can be as simple as what Roddenberry did with the original series, which is like, hey, I'm gonna take a a, a white guy and an and an Irish guy and an mm -hmm. Asian person and a black person, and I'm gonna put them all on a bridge, and they're all equals, they're all working together, and a Russian. In, yeah, exactly. you know, in the 60s exactly. you know <laughs> and in the 60s and yeah. let's 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 put these all people yeah. all together and they're all equals they're all working together yeah. it was unprecedented at it the was. time it set the standard and mm -hmm. you know we're we talk about diversity and representation these yeah. days and those there's, there's still a work in progress but in those days it really was like yeah <laughs> yeah it was just basically white people on screen like yeah. it wasn't a lot of diversity and Mm -hmm. Roddenberry changed the thing, and then you you know you go on to the first interracial kiss on screen, all this kind of yeah. stuff. Star Trek is always interfacing with the real world, and even Discovery, you know, is doing mm -hmm. a lot of new things that I've never seen any any before in another show, um, and doing stuff that I think is necessary. <laughs> and yeah. I, I still I don't not to get off beat here. Okay, I just I am flabbergasted by the people. Mm -hmm. That like go on Twitter and complain that Star Trek is woke, quote unquote woke. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I'm like, okay, I can see it with Star Wars. I can see it with like mm -hmm. you think you watched Star Wars a certain way, you didn't catch some of the hidden messages that George Lucas put in those mm -hmm. original films. I get it. Okay, you think Star Wars went woke in the recent things. Okay, fine, believe that if you want. But Star Trek, Star <laughs> Trek, Star Trek a franchise has been woke since right. the 60s. Like, come mm -hmm. on. It's, it's, it's developed. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's one of the things, the sign. So this is coming to what, what modern Trek is about, especially season three and four of Discovery, seasons one and two of Picard. Um, uh, Lower Decks in its own way. I haven't seen, I admit, I haven't seen Prodigy as much, but that's a, that's. I, I haven't seen Prodigy. Well, I've seen a little bit of of, yeah. uh, of Lower Decks. What one of the signs that Trek really is back, um, and I, I think again there there was with Enterprise and the first two seasons of Discovery seemed to be fumbling around. What is this? What are we doing? And then I mean there wasn't any weren't any shows at all. Um, you know, with, with Discovery, you see you have. Uh, whole scenes, whole episodes, whole season arcs really driven by uh, women and women of color in the yeah. in the room making decisions. And um, yeah, people, you know, there's there's some folks who notice that and say, "Oh, what future is female?" Whatever. Uh, I mean, but they, the the results speak for themselves. <laughs> like they end up actually uh, really being able to figure it out and move forward in part because the perspectives of women and women of color and people of color, uh, you know, I mean, the, the one white dude is, is an alien too. And <laughs> on discovery. So, you know, uh, yeah, they're, they're showing us again, the, the representation conversation. And I mean, I, I, I'll preface this. I'm obviously not the best person 
to talk about this, but uh, I hope and like to think that, that the folks who are better at talking about this, better people to talk about this, or do appreciate that. Um, and then with Discovery, you have this this queer family going on with um, with Stamets and Culver yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, Adira and uh, Gray. Um, yeah. <laughs> and even, and then uh, the, the other engineer, uh, Tig Notaro's character, um, yeah. not so much part of the family, but she's there too. Right. Uh, right. You know, just again, just they, they go for it. They don't actually, here's the thing is the Star Trek has sometimes they've gone for it with, with the interracial kiss a little bit. Even that was, a li- was, I guess, as far as they could go in the sixties. Fair enough. I think. Um, yeah, like you said, with, with just, I mean, I remember Whoopi Goldberg talking about Uhura, uh, Whoopi Goldberg's whole reaction to Uhura growing up was there's a black woman on set and she isn't a maid, <laughs> you know, she's, yeah, exactly. Person. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, going forward, you know, current discovery. Yeah. It, sometimes again, they cloak it in stories like with DS9, uh, the episode with Jadzia and one of uh, the previous hosts, and they they do have. I mean, that was the first first uh, same sex kiss in, mm. in Star Trek, I believe. Wow! Uh, in the DS9 episode, but it was still kind of this kind of roundabout way, in that it's two hosts of, of a former heterosexual relationship, straight relationship. Um, this time with Discovery, it's they're non-binary. They're you know two gay men. Yeah. They're non-binary. They're they're going for it, and they're they're requiring people to react they're pressing that reaction to say this litmus test either you get that this is going to happen this is what star trek is about and what it's always been about or you've missed the story and you've missed the point and um i mean just even thinking about today's picard episode uh in two two ways first of all uh i mean it's going for it, it, it's really explicitly going for the American political thing. It is telling the story of ICE and deportations and uh, explicitly in it's said in 2024, but a spoiler alert. Okay. Um, and it's actually showing Hispanic people being deported by ICE. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, on uh, the nose, it, it's on the nose, but I'm there for it. I'm here for it because it, it's authentic to what, Trek has always been and what it's always done and um and you know the second point being it actually brings up with uh, Picard brings up again that question of when is society going to change how is that change going to come about um again there's that's still a question Star Trek always both uh posits that change is going to happen that he posits that hopeful future it's now it's always taken the reins and I think now directly taking the reins of trying to actually make that change in best the way it can through building empathy, through building awareness, you know, seeing, I mean, this is the funny thing. And this is my, my last comment in this a little bit seeing. Um, so part of one of the references a little bit is with the, this season of Picard is in deep space nine, there is uh, an episode where they go back into kind of the, I mean, it was, filmed in the i think late 90s early 2000s they go back to the 2020s and there are these sanctuary cities and um just massive societal inequality 
tent cities and, uh, of people who are experiencing homelessness and that's all they can go do. Um, I mean, we have those literally, I mean, I know there was one in Toronto here and, you know, um, yeah. And then of course with the ice deportations, it feels like, here's the thing with ice, it, it feels like something that would be fictional, something out of that deep space nine episode. Sorry. Sorry, Americans. I'm going for it right now. <laughs> uh, Fair it, enough. It feels like, I mean, not that Canada is that much better. Anyway, uh, it feels like something out of, out of a fictional episode. It feels like, oh, this is some nefarious organization that can't possibly be that bad in real life. And yet we know it was that bad over the last four, five, six, how many years? Uh, you, know, you, know, you know, especially in Southern California and Southern Texas, um, you know, along the U.S.-Mexico border. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it is interesting how, you know, how they interface these things. And I think I think there's so much social commentary that is kind of like subtle and, you know, not as much on the nose. I think sometimes you really need to go, you know, think I think also Star Trek offers a offers hope Mm -hmm. It offers this idea of I think one of the things I think Star Trek portrays well, especially over all these series and especially mm-hmm. in Star Trek Discovery, is this idea of progress, of continuing to go into the future. Something that I think Star Wars is kind of like feels like it's running in place because it like mm-hmm. history just repeats itself over and over again. Whereas Star Trek is like, hey, you know, we had a war with the Klingons, then there's a Klingon serving on board the, the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this yeah. this thing, this ultimate goal of, like, hey, progress will happen. It mm-hmm. is, is inevitable. It just takes a lot of time and a lot yeah. of effort. Um, And, okay, so our good buddy Joel Davis is in the chat, and he sent us two super chats. There we go. <laughs> um, so thank you so much, Joel. The first one... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder. I was wondering if you two knew each other. Yeah. Um, so uh, the first one is a five dollar super chat. Thank you so much, Joel. It says uh, it's interesting lurking in Star Trek fandom. I feel there is a set of fans (parentheses some of my old friends) who think all modern Trek two thousand nine to present sucks. Sadly, hmm. um, so that's yeah. There, I'm. I. I am not nearly as embedded in star mm-hmm. trek fandom. i'm just like have a kind of a macro right. distant view of it but from what i've read comment sections i follow trek movie and i <laughs> read comments sometimes right. and yeah there's some interesting people in mm. those comment sections um and you know what and and, yeah. and i'm not gonna say they're like they're, they're stupid whatever like you know th- things change Franchises mm-hmm. change, and no. you know sometimes it may not be your cup of tea anymore. Start Discovery, Picard, they may not be your thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we got some other stuff coming up. I think soon, like Strange New Worlds, which yeah. is going to be like very, very old school. In my appeal to maybe, people. maybe. I mean, here's the thing maybe. about that: it, <laughs> it's on the surface, it might be, but Strange New Worlds. <laughs> it's made by the same yeah. people, so like. Yeah. You know, it's not going mm-hmm. to shy away. I don't think we're going to get like mm-hmm. a straight laced, like no social commentary at all, which I think right. what a lot of people want. Um, also, Jill says um, mm-hmm. two dollars. I mean, in Trek, I mean, in Trek World War Three, so happens. <laughs> World War Three happens. 
Um, mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I mean, and also goes to yeah. shows like bad stuff's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It, the Star Trek universe is not perfect. They're constantly dealing with threats. I mean, you look at Discovery, they're, you know, the DMA, like this mm-hmm. really bad stuff, the, the burn, all these things that are far in the future, mm-hmm. but are still happening. And there's something to deal with that. And, it, and I think it's also a good lesson of like, and when people are very cynical and they think about, oh, the world's just getting worse. It's all horrible. We're all going to mm-hmm. die. No, it's just things are going to, things are heating up and they're going to mm-hmm. continue to heat up forever. You just kind of have to roll, learn to roll with it and deal with it. Um, and, you know, the world's not going to end. It might get worse before it gets better, but, you know, just have to uh, roll yeah. with the punches. I, so I want to mention the address Joel's first point there first, and then I'll get to the yeah. second. Uh, and and we were saying too, Ben. Um, I think every franchise, especially franchise, is dealing with this right now. Uh, there's kind of an anti-recentism bias. I mean, we got the recentism bias. There's also an anti-recentism bias, right? There are the folks who say the sequel trilogy just sucks, right? Uh, <laughs> right, right Star Wars, definitely. right? There, I don't. I gather there are folks with Doctor Who fans who are like it's different. It's weird. I don't like it. Whatever. Right. Um, yeah, and part of that is, is neutral, fair enough. You don't like, I mean, it's a different style, different style of filmmaking. Uh, you know, television itself has changed, and I think we're in a third phase of television, and I can get to that in a little bit. Right. Uh, what I mean by there, but uh, yeah, it's a, you know, it, it's well, I'll actually mention what I mean by that now. You know, uh, we're in a third phase of Star Trek, I would say, in, in the Enterprise was its own phase a little bit. Um, you know, TNG original series TNG DS9 ish Voyager uh very the episodic TV uh, and that's the thing with Star Trek is it's been on television for so long that it spans all these eras right uh episodic standalone every episode has a beginning middle and end that wraps up fairly nicely and doesn't really have much implications for the next episode um by definition right uh you know Q Enterprise tried to do interesting what Battlestar Galactica was doing in a way in that, uh, you know, and Breaking Bad and moving on to even even um, House of Cards. And uh, I guess what, what's the, the zombie one? Waking Dead, I think. The the, the not at all episode, just incredibly serialized. Um, and, and yeah, Enterprise did go there season three and four. Picard has gone there a little bit. Discovery's gone there a little bit. But I think they're also doing this third thing of saying, okay, they're somewhat episodic and they do kind of wrap up a little bit, not so much Picard season one. That was a very slow burn, <laughs> but uh, with also balancing the two, I mean, that's the Disney plus star Wars series and Marvel series, for example, is I think are doing that as well. That structure, um, you know, even, even rebels and clone wars a little bit. So uh, that's a change. The styles have changed. The, the ship design is different. The Enterprise does not look mm-hmm. the same as it did. You know, um, yeah, all these different things. Even the cinematography, technically, uh, I mean, I'm not an expert on that, but I, you know, I keep the eye test. I can tell that the all these things are different, and so yeah, I can see people being like, "Oh, this just, I don't like this. This isn't for me." You know, um, you know, maybe that's just an aesthetic thing. Again, it could also be a political thing. Maybe yeah, we, we have people who think Star Wars doesn't have these commentaries either. 
Uh, and so, oh, it's Star Wars. Is, it's a fun kids adventure. Uh, let's just t- give me more fun kids adventures, right? Right. Um, you know, it, clearly, it's more than that. I don't want to be told it's more than that. So, uh, <laughs> not me. I, I do want to be told it's more than that. I want to be preached at. <laughs> um, right. So, I think that, yeah, there, there's something in that too. Right? It's tackling you know, tw- 21st century feminism and queer issues and uh, you know, racial gender issues. So, yeah, uh, I think again that that's there. There's the both sides to that. So, so that was the first thing. The second thing. All this being said, um, not all this being said, but it, it raises the question in terms of in terms of inevitability and progress and change um, between, say, Star Wars cyclical view and, and Star Trek's optimistic view. Here's the thing. I'm not sure Star Trek was actually more realistic, to be blunt. I, I know that's harsh, <laughs> that's uh, sad, maybe, but I actually do think uh, Star Wars is more more realistic in terms of the way you know get Maz Kanata. And I, maybe this is the topic of this episode. I don't know. As being Star Wars or in Star Trek, I don't know. It's how it happens. <laughs> we have to change the name of the show. Sorry, but that's fine. Man. That's Sorry. fine. <laughs> um, oh, no, I love it. I love it. Always like well. Here, so. Okay, theology time again. So, uh, on Iron Cannon this past Monday, I went into, um, a, you know, pre-modern, beginning of modern ideas about human nature and how we are always fighting between. Uh, we're all this, always this conflict between uh, my need to serve me, and then the awareness that my well-being depends on your well-being. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, the the I mean the, the technical term for that theological term for that is sin, um, in the sense of I'm always going to turn in, in on myself. We're always going to turn in on ourselves. Institutions are always going to turn in on themselves. Uh, I I do think George Lucas was tapping into a more ancient wisdom about that than Gene Roddenberry was. <laughs> um, so yeah, even yeah. this morning, watching Picard this morning, I thought okay, well, I hope change happens. I hope we do get better eventually over time. But, you know, you just showed me, uh, you know, ICE officers detaining a Hispanic person because he's Hispanic, you know. Um, and, and and so the question becomes, what do we do? And that's another thing that Picard, and how do we move forward? And that's another thing that Picard, I think, speaks to specifically is, well, we find the people we know and we do the best we can in the moment with what we're given. And, uh, you know, that's definitely last season what he was able to do in spite of the Federation, not getting, having their act together, the Federation being very inward focused, um, because of a disaster. I mean, here's the thing. There's another theme. These, you know, we have, uh, the burn and discovery. We have, uh, the, the, the Android uprising in Picard, Here's my, my, my other favorite hobby horse. We have the great disasters in High Republic, for example. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, all, all that. Um, I mean, here's what I'm wondering is, is that, uh, uh, is that just a, a common way of framing stories or was there something specific about 9-11 that really got people to ask uh, how do institutions behave in times of crisis, how do people behave in times of crisis? 
how do institutions and people, uh, how are they affected decades after crisis? So, I mean, having gone through a crisis for the last two years, <laughs> it's kind of interesting that we're right. getting these the stories. The hand experience there. You know, um, to see, here's the thing, you know, we hope, and I think Star Trek, and I, I wonder if Discovery was doing this in mind. Uh, we hope that we can actually you know, encountering COVID and helping, letting it for better for worse, you know, uh, help or or or, or you taking the opportunity amidst tragedy to learn more about ourselves, about our interdependency, about again, my well-being depends on your well-being because we're connected. Uh, as our friend in uh, F one hundred five music is is fond of saying, we're all one. We're all yeah. Our all well-being depends on each other. Um, Star Trek at its best continues to tell that story, even if uh, it posits this funny thing of, oh yeah, it's going to change in part because that's just the, the way it tells the story. Yeah. And I can't help but like jumping off of what you're saying here, I can't help but like draw comparisons to like what we just saw in, in Star Trek discovery <laughs> in, in regards to like, you have this DMA thing that mm-hmm. it seems to be like a, a naturally occurring thing that's, yeah. you know, destroying civilizations and killing billions of people. And then when they find out that it's, it is actually not naturally controlling, it's being controlled by something or someone mm-hmm. outside the galaxy, you know, that those two viewpoints mm-hmm. of, do we try to go and talk to these people and try yeah. to understand them and be patient and be, reserved and be and not act out in anger or fear or whatever else or the the opposite thing which is let's go blow up that thing (laughs) and destroy it and Mm -hmm. who gives a crap if it makes them matter you know they things whatever it's this rash thing and i think for for me and just my thoughts on discovery Mm -hmm. as a whole i think that it was a bit of a slow and I heard people say it was boring, whatever. I get it. I get it. This, maybe this wasn't the strongest season of Star Trek discovery, but I liked it (laughs) going forward because into the second half of the season, because it was that, you know, that setting of stone of like (laughs) between Burnham and everyone else versus Tarka and book and their whole thing. And this ultimate, like coming down to the thing of like, book doing it out of vengeance basically mm-hmm. and Tarka doing it basically out of selfishness pretty much of mm-hmm. he just like he obviously i think he had a good heart to like want to stop this thing but also mm-hmm. he's doing it way more for he wants yeah. to get to his partner so you know that whole thing and coming down to the fact that like yes the patient route the more understanding route the more we just need to sit down and talk about it and mm. not fire each other and stuff like that. And we can actually make progress. That's a really important message right now. I mm-hmm. think we, I think in this world, we are in a place where it's us versus them, those guys versus me. And I'm on okay. this side and you're on that side. And we don't talk about each other. We don't talk to each other. We just talk about each other, about yeah. what you're saying about me or whatever else. And people, it, like I think, I think most of the problems would be just figured out pretty quickly mm-hmm. if people on one side of the aisle would just sit down for five minutes and talk to the other people on the other side of the aisle, 
And I think they know that. I think that's why they yeah. don't talk is because they know their problems will be solved pretty quickly. I know all they want to do is complain about it. I'm, okay, this is as horrible as I'm going to get. But I, I, you, you, I love you get it. <laughs> I get it. You, you yeah, all you get it. So, yeah. but yeah. I, I love that whole mm-hmm. idea of like what's what Discovery puts in their thing, and even Book gets it at the end of like you know. But he's like firm. It's like you got to do this, but at the same time, telling them to do it was the right decision. Not mm-hmm. let's go blow up that thing. Oh well, first of all, I'm going to get into my review head and say yeah. uh, this this season of Discovery is one of the best seasons of Star Trek ever. Mm, uh, wow. It's one of my favorite seasons of Star Trek ever. It, uh, the, the season finale was a little too quick. I think it, it was so good. I wanted a few more episodes. <laughs> that was a, yeah, was Discovery a has a thing of like bringing everything down to yeah. the wire in the last episode. Yeah. So, so that was a little fast, but uh, for all the things you're talking about and, and the way it, it did carry through that story and tell it in an, in an incredibly well-paced way, clear, it didn't hit you over the top. I mean, that Picard, I love it, but it hits us over the top. But Discovery right. didn't so much. Um, those themes of, yeah, taking the time to learn how to talk, even. right, Taking the time to actually learn, learn the language that is so wild and different and creative. Uh, tapping into empathy. And this is, this is really, it isn't just, uh, I mean, this is, maybe this is where it's expanding on Roddenberry's vision. It isn't just uh, here are your facts. Here are my facts. Um, this is why I need this. this. Is why you need this. It's oh, this is what I experience. This is what you experience. This is how I feel about it. We are all. I mean, in in our real world, we're all human beings who need the same things. Uh, you know, home and, and security and food and shelter and safety and comfort and family, especially my one, my you know, partnership companionship. Um, taking the time to learn how to communicate and hear those things. And uh, you know, I mean, one of the things I love about, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, this theme of companionship is how with Michael and book, they take the hard way around and to the point where there isn't this neat resolution at the end. Right. Um, I mean, I love how right. with book, his sentencing it's it he need, needs you know needs to be put to work to fix to address the wrong he did and the harm he did but it's restorative justice but it's one that takes him away from michael as opposed to say the matrix Resur- resurrections where everything is about getting the, the two main characters together and they can suck face and <laughs> that's another whole hobby horse but what i'm getting at there is the, the fact that they didn't take the adolescent uh pure uh, romantic desire route as the thing that wins all but i mean you you talk about uh well i'll, I'll get fisher uh you know it, it's if it fits within michael's duty to the common good uh, books desire for michael is, is part of what changes him back to serving the common good then if you, of course you have uh the the navarre president forget her name and uh Oh my goodness! Why am I blanking on the the alien kid, uh, Saru? Those. Oh two, yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. They also they take the time to learn how to connect and communicate. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it isn't just this fast thing. This fast. I like you. You like me. Let let's let's suck face. <laughs> I know I'd be pejorative there, but often, you know, I mean, if that's the genre, then okay, you know, like New Girl. I'm watching New Girl. 
well even even rom-com genres right they built on taking the time but uh yeah i i deeply truly deeply love this the season of discovery um <laughs> aotc at 20 uh, uh, uh truly the wow. season of discovery um speaking of stories where founded on characters stuck in the face but that's a whole other <laughs> um no, I, I, yeah i mean frankly you know in terms of actual tv shows um this is my favorite of 2022 so far i haven't seen wow. pacemaker peacemaker um i could you know go go to ion canon to my thoughts on book of boba fett i feel that was mixed but discovery yeah. season season four i mean well here's a here's a here's picking up with that last thought um discovery season one came out the same time rebel season four did rebel season four there are characters who suck face but we took four years to get there <laughs> we know they have a backstory Karen Kanan. um they found the time within their duty and responsibilities as adults to their their family um michael and uh you know her crew you know really find the time uh as a crew to explore and, and i mean the presence and, and all that but uh yeah it it really told this profound story yeah yeah you know what i'm gonna actually as much as i agree with you i'm gonna disagree with you all right <laughs> i i think i think this was the weakest season of discovery yet all right all right i'm, um, I'm out of here no i'm just kidding <laughs> and- <laughs> And, you know, I don't really have any, like, super strong opinions to, like, mm-hmm. back that up. It's just, like, basically, I'm like, I didn't enjoy this as much as I – because I really, like, I – my journey with Discovery was, like, I watched the first two episodes, and then I was like, maybe I'll watch more of that. And then I waited two years. And then I was like, wait, they're going into the future. I have to watch this. And, like, I think I think Zach may have spoiled it for me, mm-hmm. like, either accidentally or or, or – or, or uh, permanently. And I was like, okay, I've got to watch this show. So I binge Mm -hmm. season one and two and just in time for season three. And then I watched season three and I thought that was some of the best track I've ever seen. Some best sci-fi I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I loved going in the future. I love all that. Um, This season, I think it was, I think because it was less about discovery per se of like Mm -hmm. this new world or whatever, it was more like, okay, we've kind of adapted and we're kind of here now. We're kind of doing Mm -hmm. our thing. And kind of problem solving, it wasn't as interesting to me. But I think it, it it started to get really interesting when the, the, we found out about the DMA, when Tarka came on the scene, when the lot battle lines were drawn, for lack of a better term, <laughs> and we got into like what the main thrust of the story was going to be through the rest of the season. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So when I say like it's the weakest season. <laughs> That's by no means like it's not a, a dig. Like I loved all of these seasons. Mm-hmm. I think they're great. So, mm-hmm. you know, it being the weakest is is not really a huge dig. Um, but you know, I do I like all the messaging in here. I like all the themes, mm-hmm. you know, and jumping off of some of the stuff you said, I like the mm-hmm. whole idea of like if okay, we're just, just keep going into the Star Trek versus Star Wars things. Sure. Um, <laughs> so like Star Wars is all about literally rebelling against establishment mm-hmm. you know it's sure. it's can't, comes from you know george lucas's tr- distrust in in government and in institutions 
um, even in the in the Hollywood system. You right. know, all that comes from you know this whole idea, and that is furthered on in, in future films. He's not even involved with. You know, Rogue One is about. Mm-hmm. People literally rebelling against the rebellion. Like they're good. They take <laughs> off and they're, 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 they're not even with the rebellion. They're rogue ones. They're mm-hmm. away. They're rebelling against the rebellion. It's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Whereas I'm sure there's stuff that happens in Star Trek like this too. This is not a, a specifically Star Wars thing, mm-hmm. but it's a thing you see in fiction of like, oh, all these people, especially government is an easy thing to like, you know, paint with <laughs> with bad strokes and and bad intentions mm-hmm. and say okay a collective people they don't know what the hell they're doing <laughs> but we the few yeah. of us we know what needs to be done and we're gonna go do it mm-hmm. and that's the thing you see across all kinds of fiction yeah. and but i like the idea of like you have that flipped in discovery of like mm-hmm. you have the institution everyone agreeing or most people agreeing hey we need to do this the right way. We need to things and and go out. You know, a yeah. I guess a standard way to do that would be like, oh, if all the Federation like voted to go blow the thing up, <laughs> and then it was Discovery who like right. banded together. They're gonna go stop them, and they're gonna go make first contact on their own. But that wasn't it. It was like we're all of us are getting together to come sit at the table and talk to the Ten C and come to an agreement <laughs> and help them understand, and it works. And then you have the rebels, Book and Tarka, who yeah. are not doing right, who are not mm-hmm. things. And you know, going back to Star Wars, it's something that threw people off with Last Jedi, of like, yeah. oh, Poe and Rose and Finn, they're all gonna go, they're gonna stick it to them, and they don't know what's going on. And mm-hmm. no, Holdo really had the right idea from the beginning, <laughs> and they were kind of being stupid. Yeah. But it's it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to swallow when it's Star Wars and it's all about rebelling mm-hmm. and get, sticking it to the man. It wasn't really like that. So I like that 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 flip of okay, we're doing something, and it's because we work together. It's because we came together yeah. as a things, not a few of us going off to do something rash and dangerous. Yeah. That things and, and in even i think all the characters even maybe even tarka realizes it before he dies yeah. or seemingly dies i don't i think they kind of left it open into there i don't know actually if he's dead or I'll not have to watch again i can't remember <laughs> i just yeah. know there's they, we didn't, there's no body okay so who knows mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh really just really powerful stuff and i i, I especially mm-hmm. like the finale even mm-hmm. though it was a little it was a little rushed um they do a little lot of interesting stuff, and I like mm-hmm. the, the design of the Ten C and all this kind of stuff. Really interesting stuff, and d- just how they worked through yeah. the language barrier and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and the fact that you know they're telepathic beings, so they're kind of all one. They don't really get the whole mm-hmm. idea of individuals, and that would be absolutely something of like, how do you communicate with creatures that that are intelligent, perhaps even more intelligent than you are, but they don't even get the concept of you they don't know right. what you are much less who you are i mean and the, the way they got there was through empathy they got there through uh actually encountering and and seeing these these beings take the time to learn our language i mean how how impactful can that be um it's it so again well, the, the reason I, I love this season so much is again here's here's the point again it pushed the story so far and so incredibly well and yet in doing so brought it back to the core dna of what star trek is 
or all these themes we've been talking about, they're there in, in the original series. They're there in early TNG. They're there in its own in their own way in DS9. Um, in some, you know, Voyager and, and Enterprise sometimes. I mean, Voyager more so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely got there in, in a very clear and satisfying way. So here, here's my my grand theory on that, and it, it does involve uh, inhabitants of a, a house that is white down there in America. Um, so, <laughs> and well, well, I think it's it's a way of getting at what I think about Star Trek that again has spanned all these years, all these uh, these generations all these presidents, all these perspectives on the good or evil of government and how, uh, whether or not we need to be realistic or aspirational. And that's the key question. Um, And I think, uh, and and so, yeah, we know with the original series, that's Kennedy. That's, we're going to the moon. We're going to, you know, science and reason and, you know, uh, one notion of freedom um, a good notion of freedom, but only one is the one that's going to save us and create this this uh, per- perfect future, and that it's inevitable. Um, you know, we got Clinton in the '90s, and, and that continues on a little bit, and, and then we get uh, a fellow by the name of George W. Bush, and uh, you know, and not to be too too partisan, maybe a little partisan, but um, there there are folks who uh, looked at that and said, uh, okay, the American system looked at uh you know the war in iraq and looked at uh the privileging of certain religious groups that you know i may may or may not have some connection to uh and, and said uh okay well what if we can't actually trust these institutions what if these institutions government institutions are actually inherently going to be uh, corrupt and self-serving and therefore instead of uh, uh, and this is what Ron Moore does. I mean, he he leaves Voyager. He goes and says, no, I'm going to tell this Battlestar Galactica story of government. At least the first two seasons of that, government is is corrupt and self-serving. And we need to actually expose that. We can't do the West Wing thing of saying, this is this wonderful thing we've got here. Um, we need to actually tell a more realistic, cynical story. Here, here I'm definitely going to get into the 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 weeds here um that continues on we don't actually get i mean we get the three films during the obama presidency but we don't we have this really long lull the longest maybe the second longest lull in star trek stories in definitely in star trek tv yeah uh, throughout the obama administration and then we get this guy named trump (laughs) and um you know for for a lot of folks represents the ultimate corruption Ultimate's a little harsh, but a, a very deep and clear corruption of not just a person, but of an institution that will prop him up, right? The cyclical nature of history. Right. Well, we, we, we thought we were done with this 60, 70 years ago, and it was someone on another continent. Here he is now in our own backyard, <laughs> in our own White House, yeah. um, doing these things. And here's the thing. So Discovery Seasons 1 and 2... And this is kind of this weird, curious thing about what Picard is sort of doing, but not quite. Discovery Seasons 1 and 2, I think, needed to or, or wanted to and tried to tell this more cynical, realist story that Enterprise had done a little bit. Right, The United Earth isn't 
yeah, isn't that uh, well? They're okay, but they're not that great. <laughs> and um, right. Vulcan, they are they're they're more these these uh, look looking down on looking their nose down on on Earth and uh, you know um, and, and the interpersonal connections between the two. You know, the first time characters really have problems with each other. So we we have Discovery seasons one and two and. Here's the thing. It is this confusion between the mirror universe and uh, our own universe. And uh, I mean, that does get to fruition in Picard season two in, in its own way. But uh, I think with Discovery, they realized that that was actually overdue or, or overdone. And it was it was late in that, okay, we've told all these very cynical stories of, of how horrible government can be um again something like house of cards versus west wing uh you know that that's the 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 parallel that really comes to mind i think we need to actually start being aspirational again <laughs> i think that's what they said with season three and so they go so far in the future and uh i think discovery season three to me it was a bit of a fumbling sort of um not not too fumbly but you know how much does michael's own personal story and struggles affect the plot line. I think there were a little too much that wasn't as realistic as realistic in, in a, in a personal compelling way as when season four, her personal struggles when it comes to book, especially when it comes to stepping up in command. Um, you know, she's able to use it to motivate her, but also again, what I was saying before about seeing it in the context of, her duty in influencing this institution that is more aspirational. And uh, again, that's like the full circle, except that there isn't this assumption that reason and progress is going to inevitably take us there. It's this is where we hope we go eventually one day. Um, yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. It's really fascinating how, you know, all these things, affect each other and you know real world events i think are 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 guiding you know people you know we want to we want to assume anyway mm -hmm. that the people that these stories are, are taking us to another galaxy or into the future or whatever mm -hmm. taking us to a place where we've never been before and and yeah. we don't really recognize but Every one of these stories is being written by people who are living through the same madness that we are right now. It's true. Yeah. Um, and, you know, mm -hmm. they are thinking about the same things that we are. And, you know, at the time, and, and there's definitely, you know, I, and I think, you know, through people, how people react to things has changed. Yeah. And how I know for a fact that Star Wars fandom. And I'll just say this: this is this will be my hottest take of the night. There was a correlation, <laughs> not just with the movie that came out, but the election that just happened. When Star Wars fandom got really, really, really bad and really toxic, it there's a correlation there. Yeah. Like it's not it's twenty twenty or twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I didn't specify. I didn't That's specify the, la the, last year, the, la the last year. The last yeah. year. I mean, it hasn't gotten much better, but 
you know, mm-hmm. it's it, there's definitely like, and I'm not someone that's like, oh yeah, fandoms have, we're all fine before this, but like there was definitely like online fandom in general, not mm-hmm. just Star Wars but Star Trek, whatever. Like yeah. definitely there was a things changed, um, and there was a there was definitely a big shift there in mm-hmm. in those couple of years, and so yeah. All that is to say that, mm-hmm. um, you know, there is social commentary. These things, these stories do absolutely have oh, something yeah. to say about what we are living in right mm-hmm. now and in the future and in the past, too. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually really good. Um, okay, really quick, we got another uh, super chat from our good buddy Joel Davis. Thank you so much, Joel. He gives a $5 super chat. And he says, uh, remember, Star Wars was inspired by the Nixon administration. And Into Darkness was Bush-inspired from what I heard. Mm-hmm. I have not heard about Into Darkness, but yeah. that makes sense, I suppose. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to trying to yeah. I know, I know yeah. there have been I don't know if it's been a while been, since I saw that one. So I know like with like Star Wars, like George Lucas was like, Yeah, Palpatine yeah. Nixon, like you know, he's <laughs> very, very open about that fact. There's I think Newt Gunray. <laughs> He's been less forthcoming about yeah. like the stuff with the prequels, like mm-hmm. that. Um, I think a lot of people have like made a lot of assumptions in regards to like you know mm-hmm. like the whole thing with like Anakin saying "You're not with me, you're my enemy," which is like supposed to be like paraphrasing George Bush at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's yeah. there's all that, but uh, yeah, I'd be fascinated to hear more about this inner darkness thing because that's the first time I heard of it. Yeah, I, yeah, I haven't heard that either. I mean, again, it's been a while since I've seen Into Darkness, um, so it's possible. Yeah, I mean, but to pick up on the the points, both Joel's point and and Stephen's point, um, yeah, I mean, the thing about uh, both Nixon and the Bush era responses. I mean, I wonder if, if with George saying, uh, well, I mean, he, in 1996 he was starting to develop the the story for the prequel trilogy more in depth in detail enough to actually make a trilogy about it um yeah but yeah i mean well as you were saying you know the, the thing about rebelling against authority uh yeah on the you know part of it is to say we're going to st- show the story from the point of view of institutions but the institutions aren't that great <laughs> um you know i mean i i think that gets made too much of frankly or not too much of but more maybe more of than it could be i do Think there is something to be said for Jedi, even in the, in the prequels, being more protagonists. High Republic. One of the things I love so much about it is it's telling a very complex, complicated picture. There are Jedi who are good, we'd say, are good and right, and then there are Jedi who are reacting as institutions need to react to defend themselves. Um, you know, that's a whole other thing that again talk come go to iron cannon podcast here we talk all about the whole the high republic but get um, all that discussion it, but it, it is this point of um it, well i mean the thing is you know, in the late 90s early 2000s and i think even to today uh you know we, what we have are, are com- more complex pictures of institutions right we need them we need the the phone the phone company uh there's, there's a bit of a, uh, an ethicist's joke but we we need, we need the phone company we don't need to kill for the phone company uh that's a right. ethicist alistair mcintyre talking about how uh you know being gung-ho about going to war is like killing for the phone company um 
yeah, never it's, heard it's, that analogy, it's, but it's kind of harsh, but it's it's kind of <laughs> true in its own way. We we need infrastructure. We need uh, you know, I you know, I think even some movements here in Canadian Canadian politics about uh, increasing our healthcare system, improving it because frankly, it isn't that great. It's okay, but it's not as great as as people think it is. Um, you know, that is a government-run bureaucratic system that hopefully can respond to needs on the ground. Uh, we, we can still do those things in the present. It's even, it's more of a, even a question of, you know, I use this term, a spiritual question of where is our hope? Where's our destiny? And I know that's kind of this vague thing I'm saying here, but getting back into the pulpit a little bit, um, you know, I mean, the, the fundamental problem with Roddenberry is he, he seemed to his vision is he seemed to really pin the destiny of humanity on, uh, on, on you know, well, really on the liberal democracy. And uh, the problem is liberal democracy and, and science and reason are our tools or instruments. They're very powerful, greatly beneficial instruments, very necessary in our lives, but they aren't actually the end. <laughs> of our lives, the end of our lives are again, who we have, you know, I've been thinking about uh, the good place, who we are, not just what we owe each other, but who we are with each other. For those of us who, who uh, do actually have, do have some sort of religious belief, all of us gathered together before God at the end or, and in, you know, now and in the age to come, uh, what that looks like practically can very much have democratic means attached to it. And we do need to use reason and prog- and hope for change and accountability. But uh, I, I do, I mean, this is getting back to this question about George Lucas versus uh, Gene Roddenberry. Uh, and I hope modern Trek is starting to say, actually, it isn't simply our institutions or our capability of reason. Yeah, that point about empathy, about our common common good and common life, common humanity. Um, and so coming back full circle, there is that convergence between Star Wars and Star Trek in that. Sure. Well, yeah, I think, I think, I don't think Roddenberry or Lucas or any of these, these great storytellers are necessarily trying to say that like, Oh, you know, assemblies and governments and you know institutions <laughs> right. they're evil and yeah. they're 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 nothing but evil and you you have to be averted i think the whole point i think that we at least mm-hmm. should take from this is just like yes there will be corruption yes mm-hmm. there will be that you know they aren't absolutely corrupt they are just prone to corruption and we have right. to as ahsoka says in the clone wars we have to you know constantly yeah keep you know you know hold our elected officials accountable and keep them mm-hmm. honest and that's the whole thing with that um and joel brings up uh, another two dollar yep. super chat from joel um thank you so much joel he says uh don't forget to bring up uh section 31 of ds9 section 31 is a big thing that runs through a lot of the series including discovery yep. um very shady you know i <laughs> guess you could draw a comp you know comparisons to like the cia or something like that but mm-hmm. like very dark and disturbing stuff and you know that is you know that is the thing and 
I think I guess uh, equivalent to that. I would I would say I don't know if anyone's actually ever made this assumption, yeah. but like Section Thirty One to Star Trek is almost like Cassian Andor yeah. to Star Wars, in the sense that they're kind of sent in to do the dirty work mm-hmm. of and and you know for a good cause for right. this altruistic overarching government that is ultimately trying to do good that everyone is a part of the you know the federation or being the the the, the alliance to restore the republic mm-hmm. and then taking that and like okay there are these dark facets these weapons that are used mm-hmm. by these institutions to get stuff done and sometimes that stuff is is not good at all right. um but it maybe needs to happen or maybe it doesn't need to happen <laughs> maybe that's the whole commentary on that is just like you know how we live in a society whether you live in canada united states or whatever mm. they were found they were countries founded on you know yeah maybe doing some shady stuff along the way and we have to reconcile with that and make sure we don't repeat the mistakes of the past right. um and star trek is is trying to mm-hmm. teach us those lessons yeah it's an interesting parallel and, and i'd be curious to see if that's part of where the Andor series goes is teasing it that out a little bit um the difference being that uh section 31 is always in especially in ds9 the story is told from the perspective of saying uh they're gonna repeat the mistakes they're just institutionally and just the, their their mo is to cross the line both in ds9 and discovery um and especially in discovery they create the very means by which uh all of life in the universe is threatened so yeah that's a bit yeah, across right. the line right whereas i bit. mean you know, with General Draven, maybe, yeah. I mean, it's a little sketchy. I mean, Saw Gerrera, even more. I feel, frankly, I think a better parallel might be something like Compnor, but during the Republic. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I forget what, I, I know that there was a name for it too, but, you know, the, the kind of the, the, the dark ops that did end up leading to very Imperial type policies and actions. And that were, of course, more overt during the Empire, but were already starting to happen during the Republic. So, yeah, I mean, Section 31 is always a more corrupting influence. Yeah, even within, and Joel, it's a great point to bring up, uh, that even within this benevolent federation, there could be this organization that, I mean, it's named after a clause in the Federation Charter about self-defense. And you know it's 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 pointing getting back to what I was saying before about seasons one and two of Discovery, uh, section thirty one again plays a big role in that. Yeah, it's part of them saying, uh, you know, we're still being a little more cynical, realistic as opposed to being aspirational now. Um, again, I'm glad they. Frankly, that's the thing. I'm glad they moved on from that. I'm glad they've pushed beyond that to being. You know, there isn't the section thirty one type thing going on in the 30 whatever century that they're in so and you know something they haven't really addressed there's actually two big things in discovery mm-hmm. that i'm interested to hear what came of them what what's going on with them um section 31 is is one of them you know mm-hmm. but they haven't been mentioned does that mean they're working in the background again right. and, and maybe that's going to come up in a future season mm-hmm. or has the did the federation of this time kind of learn hey 631 is 
bad news. We're not going to have a Section 31 anymore. You know, mm -hmm. we're trying to be peaceful about this. Um, another thing is the Klingons. Yeah, we've heard nothing about what happened to the Klingons, what they've been up to. The Klingons were such a huge part mm -hmm. of the, especially season one of Discovery. Yeah. I would love to, you know, obviously you have the the kid, mm -hmm. the Klingon kid that you know, and all this kind of stuff that was happening. You know, yeah. could there be some descendants there, or just simply mm -hmm. kind of a, a going back to? How did they survive the burn? You know, yeah. was, as obviously they made a lot of progress in the intermediate, as we've seen in other series. Mm -hmm. But you know, how did they come out of that? And could a you know could a species like the Klingon maybe regress a little bit or be more mm -hmm. reclusive, as is with like Navarre and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> kind of you know make some you know opposite progress um, back to where they came. Um, I just want to learn more. I just mm -hmm. want like just a mention or something. I would I would be happy with at this point. Yeah, we've got the Ferengi guy. You know, the president is is half human, quarter Bajoran, quarter Cardassian. So there's that implications or you know things that are implied there. Yeah, that's that's some great lore questions that bear on the story, right? And that's that's kind of what that's why you're bringing it up. I think. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. We we saw all these planets kind of turn in on themselves because of this great disaster, even the Federation to some extent in season three. And that's where I was wondering, given all the things, themes we were talking about, we've been talking about the last hour uh, in season three, the Federation did seem more unease or more or uneasy, whatever the word is. Um, right. It, it is pretty stunning actually. And I wonder if it is one of part of what they're saying is that this is discovery's presence. And also the the fact of, of, of 10C that they were able to actually come together and have this great council and discuss and opt the majority at least for diplomacy and learning the language. So, uh, yeah, some great questions. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'd be curious to see. I mean, it, another thing to say is I, I love that this season was actually a very focused story that. Yeah, didn't yeah. worry too much about those those other lore questions. If you know, they had a really great discipline about if this moved the story forward, we'll do it just like the, the little bit about uh, the, the the president's heritage and ethnicity that did move the story forward. It did show some. I mean, the way back story can help, right? With that, um, you know, I, I yeah, I mean, the whole thing with Navarre with Vulcan and Romulus, I think that did end up influencing the way uh, Tarina, that's her name, <laughs> is is Vulcan, but a bit more regulated emotions. And so, you know, that right. moved the story forward. And so, yeah, there's uh, you know, some interesting questions that, you know, I mean, we need to see a story that brings them up. Yeah, it's going to be because, I mean, we are getting season five. I'm pretty sure that's going into production I hope fairly so. soon. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think it's going to continue to roll on with, with season five and six mm -hmm. and whatever. So that's great. I'm glad mm -hmm. we're getting more of it. Um, season five, season four really kind of, I don't know, it ended mm -hmm. in an interesting place. We got yeah. uh, a real world politician in there. Speaking of there real go. world parallels. Um mm -hmm. That was interesting, um, really cool, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, ended kind of in a like an open ended place of like really, yeah. it 
and I don't know. I think maybe some of these seasons finales are are written with the clause of like they don't really know if they're coming back, so yeah. they kind of have to give it an ending. But I would not be satisfied with that ending because I, I want more of the show. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, going forward, and which is kind of, I mean, kind of a spinoff, kind of not. We have Strange New Worlds coming up very, very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. I liked, I mean, I love Anson Mount as Captain Pike. Um, and the trailer just dropped like a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it looks it looks a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. I thought it would be kind of like, a, okay, this is straight up, you know, this is the original series kind of right. prequel, like a true, kind of what we thought Discovery was going to be to begin with mm-hmm. in regards to like being a prequel and kind of going back to that thing. Discovery was kind of always kind of setting up going into the future, I think. But this, you know, had, you know, uh, Captain Pike on horseback and all this yeah. kind of stuff. I don't know. It's a lot of interesting stuff. What did you think of the trailer? What do you, what do you, what are your thoughts overall on uh, uh, Strange New Worlds? I mean, the fact that they're doing this show, at least again, on the surface, very much like Trek is back. Then kind of yeah. saying, Trek is back. We're actually doing a new show, a new story in this time period with these uniforms on that ship. <laughs> um, you know, right. boldly going where no one has gone before. You know, the, even the title, Seek Out Strange Life. New, strange, yeah, I forget the. I'm, I'm watching it. Seek Out 11. Strange New World. Yeah, that one. New civilization. There it is. Yeah. It's 1130. I'm tired. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, on the surface, fascinating. That they're <laughs> got it. Uh, that they're they're telling you they're telling you know Spock is there, Kirk is in there. Um, I, I wonder how thematically kind of you know, real universe this relates to. Uh, you're gonna bring up start the the fourth film and the Abrams verse. I know it's different realities. I'm not too worried about in universe, right? But uh, what they're saying about Prime versus Kelvin, uh, those kinds of questions. On the surface, yeah, Trek is back, uh, and I think deeply within the story, Trek is back in the in the the, the themes that we've all been we've been talking about again for the last hour. Um, I think it's going to get weird. I I think this is going to just like I mean, just like Lower Decks is is, is weird in a great way. I love it. Uh, just like Discovery and Picard are throwing people for a loop. Even give, despite with Picard, an incredibly lo- beloved, familiar character, he is is throwing him into this very different scenario. Uh, I think Strange New Worlds is going to do that too. I mean, again, it's in the title. The title is traditional. The title comes from the the you know you have uh, William Shatner saying the thing, but it means Strange New Worlds. So uh, yeah, and I hope they do that. I hope they can. You know, Here's my broken record. Push the story as the way of getting back to the core identity. Yeah, I think I think this could be an interesting prospect of like because I've what from the the initial pitch that I heard was like this was going to be maybe less overarching, plot heavy, mm-hmm. and more episodic, more closer to the original series. Obviously, dealing with a lot of characters from the original series, including Captain Kirk, which we just mm-hmm. just got a confirmation of, um, which is surprising. I really didn't think we'd see him until like season two or three, but that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, going into this, having this show that's kind of more in the classic vein of Star Trek, I think mm-hmm. in the 
practical sense of how the story is constructed, I think is going to be interesting, but, you know, mm-hmm. also thematically and story-wise and character-wise and, you know, all these social commentary-wise mm-hmm. of, like, what, what it could mean and, and going back to – because I'm kind of like – as much as I love being in the future, I do kind of miss that time period yeah. of, like, going back to, you know, that post-war, you know, pre-TOS type yeah. of scenario. Like the post-Klingon um, war. Yeah, 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 exactly. So – yeah, uh, I mean, I gotta say, I, I really loved Anson Mount in you know, as He's well. Uh, so you know, in, in Discovery, uh, was it Inhumans? Don't worry, need to worry about that. Check. <laughs> Wait, uh, I mean, he that's was the what? only other I thing I've I don't seen know anything about that. Uh, honestly, that's the only other thing I've seen him in. So I didn't, I didn't hear him in it, but I only saw him. In it. <laughs> there again, I'm here all night. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really loved it, that he needed to start off as this really great again uh the the uh palate cleanser that's the word from this mirror universe captain who was clearly off his rocker here's an actual legit leader and an aspirational leader who at first wasn't necessarily in as realistic or compelling because he doesn't have the struggles that we then seem to go through uh with his future in uh in season season two i believe of discovery so I mean that that's another interesting thing I should say. This whole season, this whole series is going to have that ending in view. Of, I guess it's called "Who Watches the Watchers." Uh, I forget what the the original series episode. We know how he and how Pike ends up, and so uh, I mean I wonder if it's going to explore that a little bit with his character. I do hope and I do trust that Anson Mount and the writers are going to give. A, a, a compelling leader, a, a confident someone you will run straight through a brick wall for, but also who's also a real character. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting, as you're saying, how they deal with his fate. Like you got mm-hmm. some hints at in Discovery, but like that's a doesn't end well for yeah. Pike, and you know how they how they construct something that's hopefully hopeful and optimistic um out of that is going to be very interesting just how they deal with you know seemingly the main character having a just an awful fate in the end is going to be I mean, quite quite interesting it could be an option an opportunity for disability representation as well i mean that's just yeah, thinking that too, too you know that's true too. um think things happen to people <laughs> I, I really liked there was that one guy that showed up where he was with the 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 uh it was in season three he was the the guy that kind of was in that hover wheelchair thing yeah and he was an it's, actual like he was yes. an actual person that had an actual disability um that couldn't walk right. which was and and that was like mm-hmm. you know, he was a really interesting character and i like seeing him and then like learning the, the real behind the scenes stuff behind him was mm-hmm. really cool yeah uh yeah so i should I should complete my thought better things happen to people they learn to function in society uh, they learn to have meaningful dig- dignified lives that can look like different things um yeah hopefully they explore that possibly. maybe it's maybe it's you know you can looking at it in from like the view of this is my future mm-hmm. could could be really bad but you know, maybe when you get there, it'd be like, well, it could have been, it could have been worse, could have been worse. You know, maybe, you know, maybe is isn't as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, learning to live with 
stuff is is part of life. That's just <laughs> it, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, that should be really interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. It's coming out in like a month, I think, or something like that. I think so. Or a couple months. I have, I have too many facts going in my head. I yeah, there's too like much. So I can't keep up with everything. Like I just, just know another show that's coming out in a few months. That's in another yeah. in the other universe. <laughs> like I'll, I literally the only way I know for sure if like a movie or TV show is coming out is like people are talking about it more online. Yeah. Like. I'm pretty sure the Oscars are happening this weekend because people are talking yes. about it. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know these things. I'm yeah. just uh, completely out of it um, in the in the eye of the storm, if you will. There we go. Um, Speaking of Mark and Rowe, anyway. <laughs> right, right. Sorry, I, um, I, I, I got to get that in. <laughs> no, no. And I mean, yeah. come on, from yeah. from the host of Ion Cannon, come on. Low hanging fruit. Yeah, there we go. Um, um, but uh, real quick, I wanted to address something else. We've got, mm-hmm. you know, on the slate, we've got Star Trek Four. Yeah. apparently. That was recently mm-hmm. confirmed, seemingly. I think we, me and Zach actually talked about it a couple weeks ago. But uh, the fact that the, you know, the original cast seemingly is coming back, even though they waited to tell them, apparently. <laughs> they didn't know right off the bat. Um, and, you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff. So. I'm very much looking forward to. I mean, I I love those Kelvin films. I know they have their detractors. Mm-hmm. I know they're not perfect, but I really enjoyed them, and I was really on board with like Star Trek Four. I really loved Beyond. Yeah. So like anything yeah. to continue that on, um, is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I like them. Um, again, kind of going back to what I meant to say at the very beginning, I actually think JJ Abrams gets Star Trek better than he gets Star Wars. To be to be blunt. Um, <laughs> that, that's a hot take, but I, yeah, I'm but, not sure I disagree. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, again, I like them. Um, yeah. Good crew working together. Very exciting action films. Um, I wouldn't say I love them, love them the way I've loved m- much of other Star Trek. Right. I, I frankly, I do hope, um, I, I do hope they actually use this to wrap up the Kelvin timeline. Um, I, I actually, I, I, I'm kind of on the fence of whether or not they even needed to do that. I loved everything with with Leonard Nimoy and Zachary Quinto. That was, you know, that, that was, I'm very glad we got. Really great stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, again, I, I I admit I don't have that much of a as strong of a feeling or or thoughts on it. It's, it's partly because it's been so long since since they came well, out, and so I, I kind of yeah. I'll be, and I'll you have to there. consider, mm-hmm. you know, talking about real world events versus what's happening in fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking about that big long gap. That's mm-hmm. when yeah. the first Star Trek film came out. It's when there was no TV series, Star mm-hmm. Trek, there was nothing on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And basically, you had, you know, hey, let's reboot it and let's start over. Let's bring it back to the theaters. It was a great idea and it was very successful. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people enjoyed it, including myself. And so that was great for a while, but now Star Trek is back. Now it's yeah. back on the TV screen. There's a lot of Star Trek now. There's not as much of a a need for it. I I feel like I kind of grew up with those films in a weird way. Mm. So like I have an affinity for them and I have a personal connection to them. So like for me, it's like, oh yeah, you're bringing it back, but they're not going to go on forever. And I don't think yeah. there's really a need to go on beyond was actually a pretty good ending for mm-hmm. the, for the franchise. I think if they never came back to that, it'll be fine, right. but I'm dad that they are coming back from like, yeah, just do this. Um, so, you know, they're doing it for, I hope it doesn't turn into a big cliffhanger or something like that. Um, yeah. Because I, 
I would not bet money on Star Trek five happening. Um, not in this I, universe. No, I think I would think that at this point they would w- be wanting to like expand it to include mm-hmm. have stuff that's connected to the TV series yeah. and do more of what like Marvel and Star Wars mm-hmm. are doing and have a, a bigger connected universe versus having the Kelvin. Maybe it will. Maybe yeah. they're going to open it. Maybe there'll be some mirror dimension stuff and uh, <laughs> you know, you'll have Michael Burnham hanging out with Chris Pine. Kirk, <laughs> and Kirk. I there don't we. know. I mean, here's how you can do it is uh, you know, in the the comics, which you know, I think I think with these comics, they, they was this was the backstory. This it isn't like Star Wars where there is an idea of canon connections. I, I won't get out to that hobby horse either. Um, with Star Trek, well, for the most part, paper canon doesn't really. There's no paper canon, but there's the there are these countdown comics and this idea of this backstory with, well, in in the first film, the 2009 film with Spock, Picard has a big role in that. In, in helping facilitate Spock trying to save uh, save Romulus and save and 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 all the the supernova chain reaction thing, so you know I mean th- there's room to to bring us in connect it somehow with the Picard series. What I again what I really would like to see is uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth come back and I I, I, I don't I know if he's it. involved or signed up officially, but for him to come back and for them to uh, actually again close the loop and undo the time time change and all that uh somehow i think maybe it makes more sense to do it from the first from the timeline with picard and euro and, and spock then but i mean i don't quite know how you do that without leonard nimoy but uh you can still have have uh jean-luc picard patrick stewart that's his name uh so possibly, that is an it, interesting thing i never yeah. really thought about is the fact yeah. that this is a Obviously, it's an alternate timeline, but it's a timeline that things are intentionally kind of screwy. Like mm-hmm. the the plot of the 2008 movie is like, yeah. you know, Kirk not being where he needs to be because his father died and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And he had a screwed up life and him meeting Spock, Larry mm-hmm. Nimoy Spock, and going like, dude, you're not a captain of the ship. What are you doing? Okay, go do this and do that and get back in your ship because that's where you're supposed to be. The time mm-hmm. I screwed up the timeline. So I think a really cool idea, I, I like what you're saying there, is like bringing yep. back George Kirk and kind of like acknowledging that what all this has been happening kind of not the way it's supposed to happen. And yeah. that would be really cool. And bringing, I think, you know, having Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth share some scenes when they never got a chance to actually That's do that. Yeah. Um, and bringing Chris Hemsworth back to this franchise after he's gotten super famous <laughs> for other stuff would be you know, really interesting. They can afford it; they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Hemsworth would do it too. Yeah. I feel like I feel like he's pretty. You know, he's he's in all kinds of stuff. He's oh, not sure. just infatuated with Thor these days. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, let's get him back. Get him back. I mean, let's even do. if it's just a cameo, the same length of time, but one they get undoes the timeline. Or, or even they deal with Nero somehow, but in the in the like the Picard era, which is sort of what I mean. It's a few years before, um, but they they deal with that, and then you know this is just me speculating, spitballing, theorizing. They have a scene where where George Kirk is just passing through, and it should have happened, but it just doesn't, and that's the sign that the timeline has been healed. That's cool. Cool. Or, or having you know, kind of them 
Mm-hmm. Maybe do some multiverse stuff in, in regards to like, hey, look at this other timeline yeah. where things yeah. should have gone and what can we do? And what, they, 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 they can have, do some interesting stuff with that. They have characters in Picard who can sense between timelines and different realities too. So <laughs> there's that. I won't spoil too much, but. Um, no, 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 no. I, yeah. I, I want to get around to Picard. I have, I've seen enough to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I'm not, I'm not, a, I don't have an aversion to spoilers because the whole reason I'm watching Discovery right. is because of spoilers. Right. So, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. not a big deal for me. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of Discovery, I think we're, we're getting close to wrapping up. It is getting yeah. late. I apologize. It's later for you than it is for me. So, uh, and I saw those yawns. Okay, I saw Sorry. them. I Sorry. saw them. No, it's it, it's no, it's. Fine. I had decaf. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you just count the amount of yawns that I do on camera, okay? I used to be able to hide them on audio it's only. True, now. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, also, I, can... I got nothing to do so tomorrow morning, so we're good. We're good. <laughs> well, I appreciate you staying up late with me, but uh, yeah, yeah. we we can't stay all night, guys. We just can't. Um, our producer will kill us too. <laughs> so, uh, but I want to circle back to Discovery because mm-hmm. it, it has. Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing, my biggest takeaway. And, it, and I haven't watched that many series yet, but like it has been really up there on mm-hmm. my list of shows that I've enjoyed thus far. I'm really looking forward to season five. Um, I guess we can go ahead and uh, wrap up with uh, a planet scores mm-hmm. and uh, um, yes. our final thoughts. So uh, uh, Matt, if you want to take it away, final thoughts, score out of 10. Uh, again, like I was blown away. Um, the only again the knock was the the finale was too fast, but um, overall again the pacing, the depth of characters, especially Sonequa Martin Green's performance, um, the the sweetness between uh, uh, oh my god Tarina and and Saru, uh, the complexity between Michael and Book, the whole theme of coming together and learning to uh, co- cooperate with empathy. Even um, Tilly, we haven't mentioned her, how she's emerged as a leader. Yeah, this, yeah, it's it's up there. Maybe this, this might be recentism. I don't know, but I really, really loved it. Um, I truly, deeply loved it. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a nine point five. It, it was up there. It's you know until uh, what's it two months from now, March twenty fifth, May twenty fifth. For now. It's my favorite show of 2022. Oh, great, great, quite awesome. Oh, and I forgot, uh, Joel Davis, our friend, mm-hmm. uh, gave us another super chat. Um, <laughs> he, uh, thank you so much, Joel, for your generosity tonight. Um, he just says simply Pine Kirk over Shatner Kirk. Hot take. Oh, that, that is what Joel and I like to call it, an incendiary take. <laughs> <laughs> sound effect too there you go there you go that's great oh god i i i I do really love chris pine just as an actor i think i I think i got just a kind of a little bit of a man crush on that guy Uh, because i I love him in pretty much everything he's done so uh um so yeah it's uh it's a big deal um for my thoughts on discovery season four um as i said um i will i say it's a weaker season only to say that it's still very strong. Um, just, I didn't enjoy it as much as I did previous seasons. And I think it wasn't as like, it didn't come together as quickly as I maybe wanted it to be. I was kind of struggling for a few episodes Mm -hmm. at the beginning to be like, okay, where is this going? Whatever. Mm -hmm. 
how they did stringing along and long enough and, and getting more information on the DMA and having a different type of threat mm-hmm. and bringing the 10 C in and having a, doing a first contact story, I think is, is very, very timely, very interesting. And one that I was really like when like they, they go up to like the big barrier in this yeah. second to last episode. And they're like, they like, oh, we're trying to get out of here. And the thing comes, just comes, grabs the ship and brings it in. And I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. Some very gripping storytelling. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing like how the 10C figure into things in the future, obviously, um, and whatever else they might have. But uh, very, very, I think, a really enjoyable season. Some of my favorite uh, episodes of Discovery, I think, these past few mm-hmm. in the finale. Um, so I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. Actually, yeah. I'm gonna yes, go sir. with uh, uh, Stephen. Also in the chat says uh, mm-hmm. he'd give it an eight out of ten. So we're we're of mm-hmm. the same mind, sir. Good stuff. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Um, okay, so was there anything else Trek related, Matt? You wanted to bring up before we before we start shutting this down. How much time do we got? <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got more, t- more time. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be respectful yeah. of your time and also our, our producer's time. And I also know that I will inevitably need to need to go pretty soon. Yeah, I'll but, put it this um, way: for when I come back for the Picard recap, I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, yeah. To see, yeah, the the references there. So, what, what I'm Ben, what I'll, I'll ask this for you, okay. uh, for someone who who maybe hasn't growing up with Star Trek the same way I have, um, like TNG, DS9, et cetera, and the films and, and all that, uh, what that experience is like for you versus for, for my experience of saying, okay, well, that's reference to that, that's reference to that, in the way of, okay, it's good, but I hope they actually tell new story as well. Um, I mean, yesterday's episode had a hilarious hilarious moment with uh reference to star trek for the one with the whales <laughs> oh um, my god wow. yeah uh that i think shinder steven shinder mentioned that mentioned the the actual the original star trek four um so yeah uh you know there's diff- all these different th- things coming in uh city on the edge of forever and um uh, i'm trying to think i mean of course the whole q plot line so right. looking at the, the rest of picard yeah, I'm curious to see if they overdo it with those, if it starts to feel like how Force Awakens felt for me. Of, oh yeah, like the the, the Leo point meme. Oh yeah, that that's that's like that. That's like that. That's like that. Um, or if they actually, I mean, the actual premise of the season is incredibly compelling, as I've uh, alluded to before. But um, yeah, you know, and I can definitely see them uh, coming full circle and uh, bringing a more satisfying conclusion it is always going to be in reference to we haven't said a certain word that i'm just not going to bring up but i'll, I'll define it a fondness for for past stories and oh yeah, yeah I, I, know that that word. Word. I know that word i know that word uh and, and yeah rhymes with uh, fibromyalgia <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I have a, a very good friend who, who who struggles with fibro who hopefully is watching this episode. I don't know <laughs> if she didn't like that. You can you can at me on that. Anyway, um, <laughs> back to what I'm saying. If Picard, uh, yeah, can not just rely on being referential, even if it being so referential is still going to be a part of the way it tells the story. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I just hope it isn't setting itself up for being too beholden to the past. Even if it undoes something or does something in a weird, different, twisty way, the way Force Awakens did to some extent. Um, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I, I'm how... loving it already, but yeah. It's funny how, you know, for, for Star Wars, it's like when they do the deep cut references to whatever or character shows of whatever, I get most if not all of them yeah. with star trek i get almost none of them <laughs> and you know and one of the reasons i've kind of held back on watching picard is like well, i haven't seen tng should i do i need to watch tng you know do i you know do i i don't want sure i feel comfortable diving into that show i don't feel like i can appreciate it enough yeah. if i haven't seen at least i have seen a few episodes of tng but not to the extent that i feel like i'm prepared enough for yeah. that show but maybe I should just jump into it and, you know, see how it goes because there are certain things mm -hmm. like, um, you know, there, there was something that happened um, in Discovery. It yeah. was the episode where the ship's about to get destroyed and they – that Michael has to, like, take control of it. And they do the uh, – they do the thing where they get into the transporters and they, like, hold them in stasis. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, yeah. But – they started talking about it, and I'm like, "Wait, what is? What are they doing?" I had no idea. I had to Google it. I had to go to Memory Alpha and read nice. up on this while the episode was going, so I could learn what this done. Because I was like, "Wait, what? They went in the transporters, but like, where did they go? How does this work?" And like, it was a learning experience. I'm like, "Oh, this is interesting." This was interesting. Obviously, yeah. it goes back to you know earlier series. That was really cool. But um, I was the noob in that point that like I, I had no idea. Sure. Um, so I'm sure there's going to be some stuff then. Like I've seen Star Trek four. I would get the whales reference, yeah. but like you know, there's some probably some, a lot of smaller stuff that I would I would go right over my head. Yeah, I mean, I it's I guess that's maybe this is one of those different experiences, uh, different. What am I trying to say? Things about having a different experience, a different approach to this. Like the, the the references in Picard don't seem small to me; they seem pretty darn massive. So really, um, I don't. But again, but you're you're not. A, and this is my curious thing. I'm curious about how you experience it. It might be more fresh for you. I mean, I, have you done season one yet? Or are you? Still I I haven't watched a single episode. Okay, Picard season one. It's less referential. I'm saying season okay. two is starting to get more. But even then, I just wonder if it's going to be more fresh for you. So. We'll see. I uh, I, I recommend I, you go for it. Definitely go for it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, now that you said that, I am. I will go for yeah. it. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna power through it. Um. I canceled I mean, my. Thing. I canceled my Paramount Plus <laughs> because I was done with Discovery. Right. But I am planning to re up yeah. in uh in the uh when 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 Strange New Worlds comes out. So I'm thinking maybe mm -hmm. I can always like have a show and I always have empty time when there's no new episodes. So, uh, mm -hmm. Picard might fill that in eventually. I mean, uh, another gotta... thing there is, uh, I recommend you, you're able to binge it as opposed to, I mean, that's one of the shows that actually may have suffered a little bit from the week to week release because mm -hmm. season one does is a very slow release of what's actually happening. Season two was a lot faster. So that's okay. good. But, um, yeah, I mean, I recommend you you watch them a bit more compressed, and maybe that's even more fresh and a different experience too. And I'll be very curious to hear what you think of that. Yeah, 
I would I would love to uh, love to watch them all. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do a little recap. Um, hopefully we can get uh, you, me, and Zach yeah, on fun. a little episode to do do a thing because mm-hmm. I don't even know if Zach is caught up on that yet. Um, mm-hmm. He said he he said he wasn't quite caught up on Discovery last time mm-hmm. I spoke to him. So uh, and I'm gonna try to get him some uh, get him get his voice into this episode before the end sure. so that uh, get his get his thoughts. Mm-hmm. But. Um, I think we can start to wrap things up. Mm-hmm. Um, we have talked about a lot, uh, a lot more than I even thought we would. Um, but you know, I, I am very much a Star Trek noob, and but I love it very much, and I, I've, I'm really passionate about my love for Discovery. And Zach has talked so much about Trek over the years; really been the expert on that. So I'm kind of lost without him. <laughs> But uh, having you come in and be the be my guide through the Trek through the Trek mm-hmm. universe, I think is been thing. So thank you so much, Matt, for for joining us tonight, and we'd love to have you back. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, real quick, I will go through the plugs because uh, they are very important. Actually, I meant to do them earlier, so I'm going to do them right now. We have a mm-hmm. Patreon, uh, Patreon dot com slash IPC podcast is where you can support the show and help keep the lights on and just for just a couple dollars a month you can really make a difference and help uh keep the show on the air and uh we have our many thanks to our friends uh joey mays and jesse bennett for their support of the show they are both the shout out tier um shout out friend tier i should say or above if you want to and if you want exclusive group access, behind-the-scenes info, influence on this show, and more, hit us up at patreon.com slash podcast, where they have already. Um, you get access to the show notes earlier. Of course, I forgot to post them tonight. I'm sorry, guys. Um, access to the Peacekeeper Corps, uh, which is an exclusive group where we will ask for influence. You can even be on the show because if I'm desperate for, and, and Zach's not here – probably gotta go to peacekeeper court and you know <laughs> you guys are awesome about like you know being on the show and i love to hear from you so yeah might be hitting you up pretty soon um and you get top billing during the top five segments um when we do our big top five episodes and uh yeah so that's all things well and good and then a mm-hmm. uh, special shout out to our buddy Jesse Bennett, um, in his podcast, Question Possible Answer, and uh, their little thing says, over at Question Possible Answer, we review movies while also trying to incorporate real-world physics into the movie and see how much the story would change. Sometimes it's just as simple as, what if this person wasn't in the movie? For more information, check out our socials over on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for question possible answer and of course listen on your favorite podcatcher um and uh question possible answer supports us so we always give them a shout out on every single episode and uh so yeah great show as i said i've been on that show go check it out i think it was on the solo star wars story uh thing and i'm Mm -hmm. actually jesse i'm telling you right now you messaged me like two weeks ago and said (laughs) hey pick a topic I forgot about it, okay? <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'm going to get back to you, okay? I, I I, haven't forgot about it, even though I forgot about it for a while. I haven't forgot about it. So I'm going to get back to you. So I'm going to be on another episode pretty soon. Check out for that. Um, And, okay, Matt, so mm-hmm. you got some stuff going on. We, 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 you know, obviously both of mm-hmm. us, we're, we're part mm-hmm. of the Culture Slate Network on, on various podcasts. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you're doing Ion Cannon podcast with our good buddy Joel. Uh, please give people all the plugs, telling people where they can find it and anything else you're working yeah. on. Yeah, you can find uh, the Ion Cannon podcast. They, and I'll, I'll spell it out for you. And, and Joel, you got your hand. I hope you can have your hands on the keyboard there. Joel, the, the guy right here, Joel Davis, and I, um, E Y E C A N O N pod. Um, yeah, it's, it's part of the Culture Slate Network. We're brand new, a few months in. Um, we're, we're, I feel like we're really starting to cook. We're really starting to sizzle. Thanks, Joel. Uh, yeah, give us a search. Give us a look. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Ion Cannon Pod. It's a fun little pun on you know the Ion Cannon, the, the thing in Empire Strikes Back, which is canon, <laughs> and uh, the the Eye of the Nihil, Mark and Row, and just uh, having our eye on. Yeah, well, it's, it's Star Wars. It's specifically Star Wars. Um, but we, you know, we we bring in. If it helps us understand Star Wars, we bring in Star Trek, we bring in other things, I bring in Marvel, just to, to help us understand what's going on in Star Trek, um, having our eye on, I call it you know, our home, the home for lore, uh, High Republic, and, and all the canon. So, yes, the shows and films, as well as novels and comics and uh, video games and everything going on, bring it all together. I, I mentioned the paper canon, screen canon uh, connection there. Um, just shout out that even this coming up this Monday, we're likely going to be talking about uh, the Shadow of the Sith uh, excerpt that came out. The new novel comes out, I believe, in June. Yeah. And we're going to get into some other things. Um, the similar type of depth and, and the length of conversations. We usually go about an hour. We don't go this long, but the types of conversations, the the digging deep that that I think uh, Ben, you and I have, have given a pretty good example good sample yeah. size for um yeah uh yeah and, and those kinds of questions as it pertains to star wars how i mean one of the things i i love to do is how paper canon materials like uh kenobi showing up in comics how that might inspire stories in the deborah chow series that is coming out in two months <laughs> so, yeah um so yeah uh check us out there again twitter instagram one of the things uh that's part of that every Thursday is the, my tractor beam comics reviews. So the star Wars comics that come out on Wednesday, I read them. I, I do a little bit of a, maybe five, six minute uh, audio podcast that's on Spotify and catch those on. You, know, you can find those again on our, our Spotify and on, on Twitter. And on that note, Ben, I do want to give you a shout out and thank you for all your help behind the scenes with the social media yeah, and whatnot. Uh, over there at the Culture Slate Fandom Fam. Happy to do it. Happy to help any way I can. Um, you guys do brilliant work over there. Love the show. Best of luck um, with all your future endeavors. Um, yeah, and, and Ion Cannon is like the best podcast name ever. I swear <laughs> to you, it is. Um, it is very fitting. And very fitting for the show of your nature because I love that you're, you know, you're doing – a lot of stuff that I think a lot of podcasts aren't. I, I know for the Star Wars Underworld podcast, talking about books and comics has never been our strong suit, okay? It just isn't. Um, so I appreciate when shows go out there and do stuff mm -hmm. like that. And also, are you're, you're obviously you're, you're talking about all of it and 
seeing how it all kind of connects and even legends were going going into that too it really all connects like star wars right now there's so much stuff that connects because you're Mm -hmm. like well legends isn't canon well they're still pulling from it they're still getting stuff from legends and putting it into the the shows and Mm -hmm. the comics and the books so like Mm -hmm. you kind of have to keep your eye on it all um and uh see where it goes so um yeah and then i just want to do do the the personal plugs here you can see my this is my twitter at neug 485 uh at on instagram i'm mneug 1138 you know kind of old school names fine whatever um full disclosure half of that is star wars and other fandom the other half Naturally. is soccer <laughs> i can see the, the soccer <laughs> stuff going on here um but yeah i mean it, you know just getting to know me and getting to interact you know i i definitely would appreciate at least you know say hi let me know what you thought yeah, of, of this that. episode. Let me know what you thought of Thing of Ion Cannon Tractor Beam. Um, yeah. That's yeah. Where I'm at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely go follow, like, subscribe, all those things. Um, because you're you're doing a lot of great stuff over there. Um, and uh very much, very much excited about where it goes in the future. Um so uh <laughs> Let me see. I got plugs too. What do you know? We can follow us at IPC Podcast on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can follow Zach Arnold, who isn't here tonight. We should follow him anyway to see what he's up to. What he's actually up to tonight at Zach the Voice. Um, you can follow me personally at Ben Hart with no E on Facebook and Maybe I'll tweet again someday, and you'll you you follow me there, and you'll be the first one to know. Um, I'll put my, my notifications on. Tweet notice on just for just for that one. <laughs> yeah, you, you never know what you might get. Uh, celebration is coming up, and I'm like, it would be nice to tweet, but am I even gonna have time for it? I don't know. I don't know. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, I'm just uh, yeah. I'm gonna keep harping, stop harping on it. So, uh, um, and as as we pointed out, we're uh, both myself and Matt are part of the Culture Slate Network. Um, you can follow them at Culture Slate, and there's a lot of podcasts and videos, and so much awesome content over there. Um, Ion Cannon is just one piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Underworld is just one piece of the puzzle. Um, and you can follow me over there at the SWU. Um, weekly podcast every Thursday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, talking about the latest Star Wars news and more. And it's going to be heating up a lot over the next few weeks with uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi dropping very, very soon um, in celebration and all kinds of stuff. Oh, just so much, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, as as the aforementioned uh, patreon.com slash IPC podcast, where you can support the show, Podbean, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Uh Bean as in green bean, as uh, Zach so eloquently puts it, because I thought it was pod beam forever, <laughs> and it's actually pod bean with an N. Um, and that's where our podcast episodes are hosted. You can find each and every one of them over there. You can find IPC swag at tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast. All kinds of good stuff over there. Um, definitely go check that out. And you get something out of it and you support the show. You get to represent them everywhere. Go to cons, whatever cons are happening again, guys. I was just that is, one the other week. Yeah, yeah. this something it actually feels kind of normal now i'm like looking forward to like going out and hanging out with people for the first time in two years so uh yeah it's kind of um kind of kind of weird but uh yeah all for it so and 
perfect time to do it would be to get an IBC podcast uh, t-shirt to go and uh, represent out at the cons. Um, we are broadcasting live right here on Fandom Empire on YouTube. Uh, we do this bi-weekly, so just this week, and but not next week, but the next week we'll be back um, on every Friday night around 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, definitely come back every single time, and and be sure to subscribe because we're not the only one show on this network. Or there's a lot of stuff happening all the time, and uh, you guys should definitely uh, subscribe so you get shows up in your feed, and yeah, and you can also get notified of when IPC is uh, going live every single week. Every not every single week. I just got through saying it's bi-weekly. What am I saying? <laughs> it's a bi-weekly show every other Friday. Okay. <laughs> it's getting late guys it's really getting late i got it <laughs> <laughs> itunes be sure to subscribe and, and leave a review on itunes to all that jazz um i think i'm just gonna go to bed because it's it's getting late yeah. it's it's really bad um once again matthew thank yeah. you so much my friend for coming on for pitching this idea for giving me excuse to talk more about star trek to getting very philosophical about this fantastic franchise mm -hmm. and i would love to have you back at some point to talk more trek or marvel or star wars or whatever else we can think of absolutely it's been been a pleasure being great to dive into this this franchise i haven't podcasted enough about star trek and so thanks for receiving my pitch taking it on and yeah glad to glad to give my thoughts right here all right well thank you so much and uh hope to talk to you soon i know i will be talking to you soon um and i will be listening and watching ion cannon in the near distant future um but uh i think that's gonna about do it for us here at the ipc podcast i think that wraps up episode number 344 Woo! Uh, time flies when you're having fun, and uh, I can't believe I've done 344 of these dang here podcasts. Um, but that is how it is. Um, we hope you join us for number 345 in two weeks' time. But that's gonna do it for this episode. Thanks everyone for joining us, for watching, for listening. We love you. Hope to see you again sometime. Before we leave you, we'll just leave you with this closing thought. Live long and prosper. Good night, everyone.
oh, by the way, l- live audience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot to right, text. Right. I was wondering about that. <laughs> I forgot to text. I forgot to text. So we're gonna be on we're gonna be on here. Bonus for content. More minutes. Bonus content. So, Post-credit scene. Zach's here. Every it's, it's the party just getting started. Uh, got this guy going on. I, I, so here's here's the thing. So this is again, this is primarily my my Star Wars room with a bit of soccer going on. I always have these two with me just in case. This is actually a, a bottle opener. This is the bonus. Oh content. my gosh! This is what I do. I come on friends' podcasts and play with toys. I did that with uh, Star Wars Culture. I played with uh, Nibu N ones. Anyway, <laughs> this is a bottle opener, Enterprise bottle opener, and then you know I got my Spock here from Unification. So this is like the TNG era Spock. Oh my gosh! So. It reminds me of the what I think it's in Star Trek 08 where he's in the restaurant and there's like a salt and pepper shaker but it's shaped like a enterprise ship i think oh yeah yeah, yeah. They, they have those too yeah, yeah i mean that that you could just straight up buy from the store <laughs> like, i'm pretty sure they're all hey we need a thing <laughs> yeah. oh gosh so there <laughs> you go uh, Zach says, appreciate you guys very much. Called a fun baseball game, but I miss the fun here. Yeah, well, we missed you, buddy. We missed you. Glad you're here now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Hopefully, we can get you back on the show mm-hmm. pretty soon. Um, because I'm I'm starting to think about like this top like the I don't I don't have anything planned currently, so I'm open to suggestions, guys. I mean, <laughs> again. again, I gotta come on and talk Star Trek again. <laughs> yeah, we gotta do Trek With again. Zach. Night's coming, and then not long after that, Obi Wan's coming. And then, like, there's like a billion other things that I like to talk about. Yeah. Um, that are like really old. So, like, yeah, it's gonna be weird. Yeah. 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 Seriously, Zach has the right idea. DS Nine. See, I need to watch DS Nine. You do. And then we'll just we'll just geek out about it all together. Yeah. Like that needs to happen. Um, I mean, funny thing, you know, in Canada we get much easier access, I think, to to Star Trek, just because I wonder if it was the deal because a lot of it's filmed here. Some of it's obviously filmed in LA, but a lot of it was filmed here, and there's connection with CTV Sci-Fi as the as our version of Sci-Fi Channel. Um, oh wow! And so they, yeah, they it's all on called Crave, which is another streaming service. So I don't need to buy Paramount Plus. I mean, the only reason I'd buy Paramount Plus is to watch women's soccer, which I'd love to do, but it's also oh on my. Twitch and other things. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I mean, I also got the DVDs, right? Back when DVDs were a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, funny story. So, like, uh, I keep on with the bonus story here, bonus content here. Yeah, um, when I was in, so we call it undergrad. We don't call it college. We call it undergrad. There was, I don't know if you, if you guys, when, when you'd be in college, you'd have uh, different, like, traveling dvd sale shows where they just someone would set up this big table in like a cup a public area on the campus anyway they they came through every few months and every few months they'd have deep space nine on dvd that's right and then i'd grab it <laughs> oh wow yeah, so yeah i <laughs> uh, watched the ds9 i mean yeah because i didn't watch as much when it was going on when it was on tv so I, a bit of a confession there but Oh, yeah, okay. like my my TNG watching story. This this goes back. This is heartfelt personal bonus content, guys. 
Get ready. Um, uh, my brother was born. My younger brother was born just as TNG hit the air. So uh, you know, my mom and I, my mom her her parental leave was uh, me at two years old and taking care of my my brother, my infant brother, baby brother, and watching TNG. And so oh, that wow. yeah, I mean that's what I mean by lifelong, right? Like it's lifelong. So that's crazy. Yeah. Um some I love it. Neat personal stories. That's good. Yeah. I can't remember. I don't even know. I, I don't I think I think Star Trek into Darkness was the first Star Trek thing yeah. I ever watched. Honestly, I think it was because I saw it. I didn't see the first I like I was aware of the first Star Trek movie, but I, I didn't watch mm-hmm. it first. And but like I started getting into it like when when Into Darkness was like coming out. Mm-hmm. Started becoming aware of JJ Abrams, and I was just like all about that hype, which is I think yeah. around the same time we started IPC. I think it's around the same time, so I was really starting to get into. I was I was obviously into other things besides Star Wars, but like mm-hmm. few things have stuck with me that long, right? And uh, you know. I don't even know what I thought of Star Trek, but like obviously I was like, "Oh, this is space stuff. Of course, it's good. <laughs> this, is, this is right up my alley." And I mean, like, Iron Man came out just around then too, so right. But you then, know. and see again, I got on that board late. The first Marvel movie I ever saw was Avengers. Right. So, I mean, well, that's earlier than me. I think like the first one I saw in theaters was Civil War. Really? Wow. Yeah. And then first one yeah. I saw in a the theater was Age of Ultron. Right. So. so yeah, is that true? Maybe I watched Avengers. Here's the thing. So did I really watch Avengers? Because I didn't know about staying for the post credit. So I don't think I really watched it. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> I just invalidated it. <laughs> um oh my gosh. yeah. I mean in terms of you know, the thing same thing we say about Star Wars fandom, right? How whenever you come in, I think you guys were we're mentioning this on Thursday or whenever it was. Uh, whenever you come in, you know, if you love it, you love it. You know, so you know, yeah, if and, you if you love Into Darkness, and you love Star Trek. It's like, <laughs> and, how it and works. I think I think that's really how kind of how it works. Is just like yeah. I think that's why all some of these stories, like not everyone is going to work for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think whoever watched. Avengers Endgame as their first Marvel movie is, is I mean, I'm sure they had a good time, but also they probably were very confused. Right. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, they, that's how it happens, really. It's just like, hey, I, I this movie, big movie's coming out. I'm not caught up on this franchise, but hey, I'm going to go watch mm-hmm. this and see what all the hype's about. And, and mm-hmm. that was for me. It's like, I really, uh, like, I wasn't really into Marvel, but then, like, Avengers happened. It was like, okay, this is a yeah. big deal. Like, I got to watch this. And, and I watched it. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, when Thor and Loki are having their conversation on top of the mountain, I'm like, they're what are they talking about? I have no <laughs> idea who either of these guys mm-hmm. are. This is good stuff. I have no idea what's happening. And then, you know, you watch back. So, you know, you kind of have the, the sensibility that I think a yeah. lot of that Star Trek and Star Wars and Marvel have is just like, just kind of roll with it, and the audience will either mm-hmm. either uh, ride or die with it. I mean, Star Trek's been around for I'm trying to do math here. How many decades since nineteen? Uh, well, like 1966, 1967. So, I, I, I mean, there's I, no possible way that anyone could come in now with TOS as their first. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, and it's, even, it's even worse with like Doctor Who. Yeah. You know, you you kind of at this point you kind of have to assume like any new series mm-hmm. is completely new to you know someone. Yeah. Um, and and you're not gonna be you're not gonna be getting someone that's seen everything. The amount of people that have seen every single Star Trek series is a very small number. Yeah. Um, which is again why I'm curious about your experience with Picard. Uh, you know, like what you know what that's like. Given, you know, it's not like you don't know anything, but you know, it, it's it'll be different. It'll be more fresh. I'd like to think so. Yeah. Um, we got some uh, interesting comments here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Zach says, "I remember watching Voyager on UPN, but then basically all my other Trek exposure was TNG on Netflix on the Wii. Mm-hmm. On the Wii, wow! Oh. And then that's old school. And then watched the other series right after those. Ended up really enjoying the family time involved in bringing several yeah. series back to back to back. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then." Steven Schinder reminds me that Camp Cretaceous season four happened. I still haven't watched it. Um, I don't know if I ever will, so that's okay. I mean, <laughs> what, what is this Jurassic Park? Is that what this is? This is a Jurassic World <laughs> spinoff okay. animated series, and it is surprisingly good. And All right, have a, there's, a, there's a group of us that are like, <laughs> I think super into this. I think I've only into. heard of it from you guys. So yeah, it's uh, me, Zach, uh, Steven Schinder. Dan Grievous, right. uh, Star Raptor, we're all like, this is the greatest thing. Um, I don't Maybe know. I should check it out then. Shoot. It, I mean, look, I, yeah. I sing the praises of the show. It is really good. And surprisingly, mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like, I, I compare it to like maybe Resistance for Star Wars. Okay. Like, it's kind of, it's kind of like that, where it's kind of like, yeah, it's awesome. clearly like made with kids in mind, but it's kind mm-hmm. of surprisingly dark and, and surprisingly mature. For okay. its age and really kind of doesn't pull punches, especially when it comes to like dinosaurs eating people and stuff like that. Like oh, okay. it's not, <laughs> it's not. Uh, so. I'm not saying there's like blood and guts on screen, but like mm-hmm. people die. It yeah. it happens. It yeah. happens. Yeah, that sounds kind of like resistance a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I I do recommend it. Um, I am by default a a bigger Jurassic Park fan than the average person because I'm friends with Zach Arnold, who's like the biggest Jurassic fan on the planet. So, uh, kind mm-hmm. of kind of us by osmosis that happened to me. But uh, mm. um, Stephen says I feel like it's been getting more like Rebels than Resistance the last couple seasons. That's not a that's not a bad point actually. I feel like it's it's getting more mature. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you flatter me. Uh, well, it's the truth. It's the truth. Um, but uh, and then there's a, also I think by the same company or whatever. It's it's because it's not all Netflix. So they're supposed to be like I think uh, Stevens talked about uh, Spy Racers, which is like a tie-in animated series to the Fast and Furious franchise, and supposedly okay. it's not bad either. So, uh, yeah. I mean, here's, here's another. I mean, I'm kind of deflating my nerd cred here, but I think I've only seen the first Fast and Furious, and I didn't like it. So, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I, Star Wars, I, Star Trek, I Marvel. haven't seen any of them. You're doing better yeah. than I am. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and see, <laughs> and see, Camp Cretaceous is a weird yes. outlier for me because, like, I will, like, obviously I get into Marvel series, Star Trek, Star Wars, you know, I'll watch pretty sure. much anything. Um, but like with animated stuff, I feel like I really need to be into it to kind of watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was just like 
being with a group of friends they're like you need to yeah. watch this yeah. you have no choice and uh that's what made me watch camp Cretaceous and be like okay all right all right this ain't bad yeah. i mean you mentioned that and, and joel mentioned you know i need to take him up on the the shira recommendation first um i think i have yeah. another friend who who really loves that too so see uh, i'm not i i know nothing about that franchise like nothing um but i heard good things so i mean you mentioned a bunch of friends gathering together i know, I know a certain time in may late may we might be in the same may. same place maybe um potentially and and they're dropping the new episode of obi-wan kenobi like right then yeah that's how i one of the reasons why i remember oh yeah it's the, the night before <laughs> right so like a bunch of people are going to be traveling i still don't know if i'm going to be traveling when it drops or not <laughs> or i'm going to be there um and i don't know like are they going to organize something for like they better i really hope so i, I feel like it'll like... be a tremendous missed opportunity if they're like you know oh yeah you can watch the episode like two days later when celebration begins yeah, like, no i want to watch it at the premiere i mean We'll watch it again at the panel, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm assume yeah. Um, that they'll have it a big deal and a big panel and stuff like that. I'm yeah. hoping they'll like maybe Dominic said this that like maybe they'll have like they'll do the panel, they'll have Hayden mm-hmm. and Ewan, they'll do the big thing, and then like the first like it'll be a, like a two hour panel. It'll be like an hour yeah. of talking, and then the second hour will be episodes two and three. Or just episode two. Of See, why not episode? Well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I'd say episodes one and two almost make more sense, just because maybe. I mean, I'll have wanted to watch it again by then. Yeah, and it but, doesn't. You can't yeah. beat like watching it, like even if it's for the sure. second time, like right. watching it with a crowd, like, with like that's gonna yeah. kill. Like here, I'm gonna go on the on YouTube right now. I maintain, uh, and I know this for a fact. So we know we know Rebels season four episode one. Uh, they showed the first half at Celebration. Showed oh. episode one. They showed season. They showed up the full first episode, the two parter at Fan Expo Canada. Um, oh wow! I know. I mean, I know Dom was live tweeting that. I know. Then um, they did. If it was a, like a good weeks or months before it aired, but. You know, so yeah, that was a really special moment. Uh, in, say, in, you know. in celebration, the original celebration in yeah. time in 2015, yeah. one of the best like celebration experiences I've ever had was going to the Rebels panel, mm-hmm. and they showed the season one finale followed directly by the season two premiere. That's cool. That's cool. And both those yeah. episodes are fantastic, and mm-hmm. it was great seeing them in that environment, and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe maybe something along those lines would be great too. Yep. And then we got Bad Batch, and then there's so many other things when happening. Is Bad Batch coming out? Do we know? I guess I the whole know. insider thing. Yeah, we're t- we're totally talking to Star Wars now. Hopefully, everyone's <laughs> okay with that. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of trying to sneak it in. Again, throughout the world, you know, so lifelong fandom, most intensive fandom. <laughs> I love them. I, 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 I would. I, I would. I would. Be, you'd be hard yeah. pressed to find an episode of IPC that where Star Wars isn't mentioned at yeah. least once. So uh, um, yeah, there's really no news about Bad Batch season two, right? Eh? I mean, I guess I'm not up on it, but I should be more up on it. But wait a minute, Aunt, there was Steve, the insider. Stephen Schindler, you were you were at Celebration Anaheim. That's crazy. 
it feels weird that you were there. We were like, we were both there and we didn't cross paths. I didn't know you at the time, I guess. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 This one, I mean, this one's going to be my first one. And really, oh, yeah. this is your first. That's yeah. great. And uh, another personal story. I mean, I mean, you, Dom, and Chris have, have a bit to blame of that because, uh, for that, because, um, like I'm washing the dishes, listening to you guys recap daily recaps. Oh, and I'm like, oh, I gotta go this time. I gotta go. Uh, I remember that moment. I was like in my kitchen in rural Alberta because I was working there for for a few months, and um, like, okay, I got money saved up to take it. This is 2019. Uh, you know, it seems like such a fun communal activity, communal time. And like, okay, I got the money saved up getting to know people a little bit more. I mean, I got to know people better when I moved back to Toronto, but um to go, I gotta gotta do this, gotta go. So yeah, I got my tickets, you know, of course, summer twenty nineteen. <laughs> Same. Yeah, but yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. <laughs> so uh I mean speaking of conventions, I was just mentioning, yeah, I was at uh Toronto Comic Con this past weekend. And that was fun. Um yeah, it was too bad that Dom couldn't make it, but uh, yeah, 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 that sucked. Uh, for, yeah, Dan and Kareem and them were all there, so it was fun. Mm-hmm. And it was it was full size for comic for Toronto Comic Con, which is the smaller. Good. But yeah, it was it was fully. I mean, you know, everyone masked, but you know, ostensibly sort of trying to distance, but yeah, it was fun. It's good. It's good. Yeah. This is one one you know even. Doing it under abnormal circumstances, it's nice to do something a bit normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something you haven't done in a while. Was the uh, the one in October that was very different. That was very much in the circumstances. So yeah, uh, this was it was nice to get the full size thing going. Yeah, um, and it's gonna be interesting in in, in uh, Anaheim. Yeah, because um, uh, you know, obviously, uh, it's been a while since I've been back there, and mm-hmm. not my first celebration, but first celebration under. Under these circumstances, yeah. um, and and from where I am, um, conventions I've been to, there, you know, the restrictions are very lax. Let's just put yeah. it that way. Um, so I'm curious how it's yeah. actually going to be run mm-hmm. in California. I, I think that's going to be pretty pared down, which is, I, I've both disappointed by, but also okay, it's going to be more chill. Um, and the reason I think that is because at, at Toronto Comic Con, I was talking to the I don't know if I should actually be showing this, saying this on YouTube. I don't know. Um, they usually, so they have the uh, Canadian garrison of the 501st. They're the ones that do the, the Jabba's throne room display. Mm-hmm. And they had it at Toronto Comic-Con because it's right here. But uh, I asked them as a group, are you doing this display? And they said, no, they weren't asked to come as a, oh, as wow. like a display as a group for a booth. So that tells me and they, like he said, that they're gonna, they're they're not doing too much of that kind of thing. So, you know, well, it is what it is. Um, it is too bad. I do know the yeah, other restrictions in California seem to be more intense than, say, where you are. Or... I wonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I wonder if I wonder if they're, I wonder if they're gonna like expand the floor space and there won't be as many booths because, yeah. uh, um. We haven't announced this publicly, but I'll go ahead and say it. Um, uh, Star Wars Underworld applied for a booth, denied. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we've had a booth since 2017 or 
even 2016. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, that's a pretty big deal. Um, yeah. kind of Again, that, that also tells me that they're massively mm-hmm. paring down. Like, yeah, yeah. So uh, that seems to be the case, which, mm-hmm. okay, fair enough. We, you know, we're, and we're, we're yeah. taking it in the stride. It's not, not, not the end of the world. We'll just have mm-hmm. to do things a bit differently. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I have not heard from Sean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I think he may have fell asleep. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. I need to run now. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> so, okay, so let's just both exit the studio and just see what happens. Let's just see what happens. Who knows? <laughs> so thanks, yeah. everybody, for continuing to watch Into yeah. the Night. Um, this was great. Thanks, Matt, was for, uh, for for staying up late with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope you have a good night. Um, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Zach. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys are awesome. Love you. And uh, we'll... we'll uh, See you soon, but yeah, we'll stick around and see what happens because we're gonna Who leave knows? and nobody's gonna be here. I have a guess, but <laughs> yeah. all right, all right. bye peace and long life. What's up, everybody? This is Zach Arnold again with another IPC voicemail. Um the last one seemed to be pretty well received, and uh, I don't know if there were like a whole bunch of people clamoring for my input on things, but uh, I definitely miss getting to hop on on Friday nights with you all, and I miss getting to bounce ideas off of Ben. I'm sure there have been some really great people that have helped fill in and uh, step in for a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, but there's just nothing quite like, you know, the, the gang getting back together again. And I hope to be back real soon, hopefully within the next month or so, um, which means I'm not missing too many more episodes and we'll be able to start doing some of our summer slate reviews and things like that. But thank you, Ben. And thank you everyone else in the meantime, uh, for helping keep the show running. As I understand it, this review that I'm uh, calling in for is about Star Trek particularly about uh, Discovery Season 4. Unfortunately, I am not as caught up on Picard as I want to be, but, you know, life gets in the way. Certain things happen. You get busy. Uh, I feel fortunate enough to have finished up Discovery. So, um, you know, it's just one of those life things where sometimes it just takes a little while to get caught up and to call in and stuff. Um, I did see Morbius the other day, and I have a lot of thoughts on that. But this is not a Morbius voicemail. So, uh, yeah, hit me up personally at Zach the Voice on social media pages if you want to get some fuller thoughts on that. I may do like a solo independent thing if we don't end up doing a Morbius review here on IPC. But let's talk about Star Trek, particularly Discovery. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, way that they tried to give us a new sense of purpose and also a new sense of danger um, in a very unique and drastic way. That's kind of been the way futuristic discovery has been. You know, they, they use the Red Angel to uh, propel them into the future, and then you have the after effects of the burn that was just a galaxy-wide, you know, destruction of dilithium that ignited ships and, you know, caused people to be scared to fly anymore. Um, this one kind of showcases the rebirth of the Federation and how 
a uh, organization that has stood for centuries is trying to pick up the pieces and part of that is trying to redefine yourselves but also regain your identity and your purpose and i think it was a great commentary on people who sometimes um, spend periods of their lives not exactly sure who they are and once they discover who they are if you'll pardon the pun once they discover who they are um, they're able to right the ship if you will and be able to continue on a more direct and sensible path than what they had been going down before so I, I feel like it was a, it was a great little um, commentary on humanity, which is basically what Star Trek is all about, and to to see different species that we somewhat recognized, but see them taking on a different light or a different path was very very interesting. You know, the the new president of the Federation was half Bajoran and half Cardassian, which my Star Trek Deep Space Nine fandom just had a lot of happiness over that, you know, to recognize that Bajor and Cardassia have experienced a peace and and a, you know, uh, agreement, a, a mutual understanding enough that someone that's a hybrid of theirs is no longer an outcast, but is able to rise up through the ranks to become uh, the president of, of the entire Federation. That That's just fantastic. It's really, really cool to see. What's not cool to see is... A planet as beautiful as Quajon get obliterated in the very first episode. You instantly start feeling a sense of danger and a sense of despair, particularly for Book's character, as soon as you see such a historic and beloved planet just get annihilated. I feel like I almost have a, a deeper sense of loss for Quajon than I did even for Alderan. Um you know, I, I didn't really get to see a whole lot of Alderaan outside of fan films and maybe a little brief sequence here and there. Um, but to, to see Quajon in the depths that we did over the past, you know, season or so, and then to see it just get taken away from us was just numbing, which is basically what happens to Book. He goes numb and doesn't he he just doesn't know how to to handle it. He's hallucinating, he's lashing out. It's a very relatable response to suffering a great and tragic loss, which I'm sure a lot of us have experienced before. And so I I really connected with Book on a level that I never thought that I was going to. And he kind of ended up becoming one of the stars of this entire um, season with his ideas and his and his purpose for what what he sets himself out to do. Um, I do appreciate the nods that get made to other iterations of the show. In fact, they even made a um, Picard reference, like a Star Trek Picard reference, when they put Gray's um, soul into a synthetic body. Um, they they used the procedure that gets used on Jadzia Dax in DS9 when she wants to meet with her other... Um, her other selves and you you see this transfer um happen um with gray as they mentioned that it most recently was used on a person named Jean-Luc Picard and it's like oh hey i was just watching that show um but then you also have the the co-op malat taking a rather prominent role you also see a um changeling you know, a, a DS9 changeling 
on the uh, on the on the planet or the casino that Michael is tracking book to, and they they play that card game. It's practically like Star Trek Sabacc. You don't really know how the rules work, but you know that there's high stakes, and the winner you know gets the prize and all that sort of thing. Um, but then the idea of of seeing Romulans and Vulcans, you know, we touched on it a little bit in the previous season, but to see a continuation of Navarre's progress trying to rejoin the Federation is very, very touching because they reunified their peoples and now they're reunifying with the Federation. And it's it's interesting to see the politics still at play even centuries later. You know, I, I growing up, I wasn't a big fan of the, the political scene that you see in things like The Phantom Menace, but to recognize and appreciate the nuances of the situation that these characters are in is is a very interesting dynamic that I'm glad Discovery um, took the time to explore. Uh, another reference that I really appreciated them making was just, you know, the, the very first episode was titled Kobayashi Maru. And the Kobayashi is, is something that has been discussed or visualized in several different iterations of Star Trek, even the, you know, the Chris Pine, J.J. Abrams universe. Um, you see them actually attempt the Kobayashi Maru experiment. And so um, to, to be able to make a reference like that, to um, talk about the USS Nog towards the end of the season, you know, it's not just an appearance. It's like the Nog is actually, you know, taking part in the um, evacuation of Earth. Like that's a, that's a really, that's a really, really cool concept and, and a really nice homage to Aaron Eisenberg. And I, I appreciated the heck out of that. Um, I really also liked this concept of the DMA. Um, I was a little skeptical at first because I was like, this is really abstract. There's a lot of science fiction involved. How do we humanize it? But they were able to, probably humanizing isn't the best term because we got way more other creatures than we do humans in this show. But like, how do we make it accessible? You know, how do we make it something that's a little more tangible? And as soon as they were able to piece together that it was something that was organically created, you're like, oh, interesting there is there is something else out there that is causing this this destruction and that gives you a new sense of urgency but also gives you a a new set of mystery to unfold you have to figure out how to stop it but you also have to make sure that you're making proper contact and making proper communication um, with the aforementioned species and to end your season on a on a not a not a cliffhanger, but the 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 mid season finale that happened in December, you know, on like the day before New Year's, they're they're talking about species ten C. They're talking about you know what they could do to try and discern the intentions and things like that. And then out of nowhere, you see Tarka and Book um, escaping and using a a weapon like they have intentions to use a weapon on species 10 C and you're just like, Oh crap, this is about to hit the fan in really, really terrible ways. And I have to wait two months to figure out what's going to happen next. And I, I appreciated the engagement because when you only have, you know, I think 13 episodes in a season, you've got to make them as gripping and compelling and, and story driven as possible. You know, back in the day with older shows like The Next Generation, DS9, and Voyager, 
you could have 22, 23, 24 episodes in a season. And so you could kind of drag it out a little bit. But when you've only got 12, 13, 14 episodes to a season, you got to make sure that everything packs a little bit of a punch to it, that everything has a reason, has a purpose. And, you know, the the purpose of making contact versus, you know, waging war against 10C was a big deal. Um, you know, Gray coming back into the fold and then trying to discover their identity. Adira trying to discover their identity. Um, Zora, you know, trying to discover uh, more personality than before. There, there were a lot of, you know, individualistic discoveries being made. I keep saying the word discovery. I swear I'm not trying to make a pun here. But there were a lot of individualistic um, unfoldings that, that came about. Um, you, you saw a little bit more from the doctor trying to figure out his uh, survivor's guilt. You, you just have so many different elements in this show. And one of the most intriguing, I, I must admit, one that I did not see coming was the one that kind of took place towards the second half of the season um, between Saru and the Navarre president. I forget her name off the top of my head. I will, I will come to it in a second. I'll circle back. But to have a, a you know, this idea of them trying to pursue something other than, you know, their professional relationship to to try and do something other to try and figure out if there's a way that they could become a couple you you don't see a whole lot of interspecies dating that takes place between two species not human and i really appreciated the idea of having saru try to pursue someone and try and learn a little bit more about what it means to be romantically involved rather than just taking care of your home world and taking care of your ship and your crew. Now Saru has somebody that he can latch onto in a very affectionate way. And how ironic that it would be with a Vulcan who is supposed to be very logic driven. And yet she too is also experiencing feelings, experiencing caring for Saru. It was an interesting dynamic and the concern for each other's safety was rather touching uh, throughout the course of this season. But obviously one of the biggest storylines was 10C. Who are they? How do we find them? How do we make contact with them? How do we communicate and express ourselves to them? Um, because as they learn more and more about this species, they realize that these are higher beings that communicate through methods that are beyond what... Um, we have been able to ever experience. And I know that that's probably a little bit above and beyond and it's kind of fantastical and it's like, oh, we're up in the stakes and we're upping the opponent even more than we did before. But come on, how many times has Star Trek done that? Like, I don't understand why people on social media are complaining about that because you you take a look at, at the Borg, for example. The Borg were supposed to be technologically superior to humanity in every way and yet humanity was going to continue to, to fight and defend itself and, and fight for uh, the preservation of Earth and the Federation. Like, this is no different than, than what we experienced back in the 80s. It's a bigger, uh, more threatening opponent that we have to try and figure out uh, their intentions and if they pose a threat to uh, our future. And when you make Earth a target, the sense of urgency just automatically goes up. 
And I appreciated the sense of urgency. I appreciated uh, all of the, the timeliness that they were trying to make it. And I appreciated people like Detmer willing to make the ultimate sacrifice, if that's what it came down to, you know, needing an experienced pilot in the finale. And finally, Endoye, you know, decides to make the sacrifice herself. Um, and then they, you know, they find a way to magically pull her back, you know, using advanced transporters, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, they always do what they can um, to try and bring them back. I honestly thought, you know, this is a pretty big spoiler for the season, but I honestly thought the book was gone for good. Um, I, I really thought that when he took off with Tarka, that there was like a emotional point of no return, that he was going to be an outlaw, that he was, he, he had crossed this threshold that he was, there was no turning back. And yet, um, you know, there, there are still people that are able to like bring him back into the light, help him realize the, the, the folly of his ways. And, so you know to to be able to you know um recognize his mistakes for someone like Reno to to come in in the second half of the season and like make an impact on him um was really really cool cuz i love commander reno um and I, and i love um the the sass and the attitude that comes with commander reno i i wish we could get like a reno uh spin-off series but i digress but for Reno to be able to bring Book back into the light and for him to try and do what he can to help Michael save the day one last time to the point that he's willing to like make the ultimate sacrifice, um, it was it was interesting to to see that that you know, that grief in the first part of the season and then the you know, belief that he is doing what's right, um, believing that he has passed the point of redemption finding a way to be redeemed, you know, trying to do the right thing by the end of the season. Um, but then also facing punishment for what he did, you know. Um, I feel like the, the punishment was just, you know, trying to help those who have been uh, made refugees because of his actions. You know, the, the punishment fit the crime. And I, I respected that um, a lot. I respected it a lot. Um, I want to touch on Species 10C for just a little bit. Um, and then that'll probably be it for my, my voicemail. I know that I, I shouldn't be trying to make these things too terribly long. You just spent a long time listening to Ben, um, and, and whoever was on the show kind of rattle on. So, um, I like the idea of having to use some sort of middle ground method to communicate. Um, I liked that in, in the episode, uh, Rosetta, I believe it was, they were trying to figure out a way to, uh, communicate using math and then trying to use the a combination of the pheromones and the math to create a sense of urgency um, the creation of the environment that 10c made thinking that that would help them feel more at home it, it, it showed that they were a compassionate species even if they were confused um, by the events that were going on with discovery and the federation um, i i liked that they were empathetic. I liked that they were able to, you know, stop whatever it was they were doing to stop their progress just in the nick of time. Like that, that whole, you know, the world is saved at the last possible moment type of feeling for some reason that never gets old for me. It it truly doesn't. And for, you know, Tilly and the Admiral to, to make all of those, um, arrangements and make all of those sacrifices and for it to, to be as worthwhile as it was, um, you know, Michael's efforts to communicate along with her 
uh, communication with the rest of the Federation to make sure that all ducks are in a row and that all efforts are being made, even if it's to help a planet like Earth that has not been a Federation member for some time now. Like, they're willing to put that aside if they're going to, you know, try and save countless thousands, countless hundreds of thousands. Um, obviously, they're not going to be able to save all the billions that are living there, but they made a significant effort if the negotiations with 10C went awry. And so, you know, I, I found it very engaging, I guess is the right word. Those final two episodes were very engaging. The the communications that were creating barriers and, and problems, the um, recognition and understanding of um, how serious the situation is and the willingness to do whatever it takes, the understanding that sometimes you might have to give up somebody that you love in order to save the day. Michael basically had to make a call that would give up her relationship with Book, that would make, possibly give up Book's life if it meant saving planet Earth. And so there were some really tough decisions that were very similar to that of the Kobayashi Maru. And it's those types of things that I love about Star Trek that make you wonder what you would do in their shoes. What would you do in that situation? What kind of a call would you make? Uh, I really don't know if I would be able to make a call like that that sacrifices my my fiancé for the, the sake of a bunch of strangers. Even if they are hundreds of thousands, millions, billions of strangers, they're still strangers to me. Would I be able to make a call like that? I truly don't know, but I enjoy watching the struggle that these actors present in these episodes, and they presented it so incredibly well. We're, we're only 55 episodes into uh, this series, and it feels like it's been going on for much longer than that. You know, the way that they're able to present these stories and the way that the, 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 the characters develop um, at the accelerated rate that they do, the, the tough decisions that have to be made, and the, the way that we explore all of that with them. Um, it, was, it was a really great season. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the 10C. I do find it a little bit weird that, like, in episodes 11 and 12, they're having trouble getting basic sentences across. And then by um, episode 13, they're, like, creating complex sentences and sending them in the form of light form and 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 pheromones. And all of a sudden, the 10C are, are sending complex sentences back to them. Felt like there was a little bit there that could have been expanded upon in order to make it make a little bit more sense uh, as to how they were able to develop such complex sentences in such a short amount of time. Um, but other than that, I, I liked being able to see a remorseful species. Usually we see a lot of aggressive species. Usually we see a lot of species that only care about themselves. They don't care about others. They don't care about the Federation. They don't care about this or that. And, you know, even the Dominion, in DS9, they were they were evolved beings, but they didn't care about the other evolved beings. They just wanted to make them succumb. Um, I, I think of some of the higher form type species that we saw in the original series, and they really didn't care about what happened to the Enterprise. And so it, it's it's an interesting approach that is very reminiscent of other components of Trek from the original series. Uh, to even the the Abrams universe with the Kobayashi Maru, to Deep Space Nine, to going to the edges of the galaxy to encounter Species 10C. I mean, that sounds very Voyager, ending up in a place like the Delta Quadrant. Um, the, the sacrifices that are made from 
you know, relational standpoint, from personal loss. Um, the final episode, they sacrificed the spore drive in order to try and make a difference in that episode. There, there's just a lot that happens in this season, and I found myself with very few complaints by the end of the story that was told. Uh, I recognize that it may not be the story that everybody else wanted or that everybody else uh, particularly enjoyed or that the pacing may have felt a little bit weird. A, a standalone episode that's just about the new cadets of Starfleet did feel a little bit out of place, I will admit. Um, but sometimes you need to pause for character development. And I'm glad that Discovery recognized that even if it wasn't the character development that I was looking for, I appreciated that they made the effort for it. Um but yeah, overall, uh, I think the 10C was a very interesting situation, you know, from discovering a DMA to discovering that it was created by a species to discovering that species to finding a way to communicate with them to create a sense of urgency that causes them to stop what they're doing. Um, a lot happens in this season, and I'm, I'm curious to see what they do next because, in my opinion, it feels like season four could wrap up the show if it wanted to everything kind of tied itself up in a neat little bow you know book was saved earth is rejoining the federation the federation is getting back on its feet um you know michael has her entire family and her crew back in uh federation space you know that wormhole at the end of the episode was able to bring them home so you know everything seems to be kind of wrapped up in a neat little bow of sorts and if Discovery finished, like I'm not saying it will, I fully expect another season to happen, but if Discovery was to finish with these four seasons, I feel like I would be satisfied. Obviously, I would like to see more. I'm super excited for, um, you know, getting caught up on Picard. I'm super excited for Strange New Worlds. I need to get, um, I need to get uh, myself more hyped up for Lower Decks. I enjoyed the last season. I need to try Prodigy. Um there's a lot of Star Trek out there that I still have yet to experience and I'm looking forward to experiencing it further. So yeah, that's my less than 30 minutes thoughts on Star Trek. I'm sorry it went as long as it did, but thank you for listening. If you made it this far, thank you, Ben. And thank you everyone again for uh, keeping IPC afloat. I mention the podcast on every sport broadcast I do try to let people know that that's something that I do when I'm not doing sports stuff. But lately I've been doing two, three games a week and most of them have been happening on Fridays. So uh, I look forward to being able to return. Like I said, uh, I'll be back in plenty of time to discuss some of the summer movies, particularly Jurassic World Dominion and things like that. Maybe even the Bob's Burgers movie. Who knows? But uh, I'm looking forward to celebrating um, another anniversary of IPC come May and uh, whatever lies beyond, uh, I'll be excited for as well. So be sure to follow me on Zach the Voice at all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, I think I've got a Twitch page, but I don't really use it that much. Um, but yeah, I, I am the Zach the Voice on just about every social media you can think of. So um Hit me up on those platforms to keep up with what I'm doing when I'm not on IPC and be sure to follow the IPC podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to get updates on new topics and new episodes. So yeah, I appreciate all of you for tuning in to this episode. I appreciate everyone who tuned into this voicemail 
and I look forward to being back very, very soon. Goodbye, everybody.